Hi there, this is Andy Lanning at the uh, New York Comic Con 2013. Welcoming you to 11 o'clock comics. I like it. Yeah? It was semi restrained, but it's very well, what, good. Because yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was, well, you, it was you're Yeah. I am, you know, it's cold out. The shrinkage. Oh my god, we said it at the same time. <laughs> Shalom. Uh, Mazel. Happy oh, Hanukkah. Thursday Hanukkah, that's right. Thank you. Grab your harmonica. <laughs> oh, come oh, on. We lit the candles. They made yeah. it out of clay. Adam David Lee Roth spins the menorah. <laughs> it's a great we song. He is your favorite Jew. He is. I'm not, I'm not joking. He is Vince's favorite Jew. No, Ross really? Geller. Ross Geller is my favorite Jew. Well, that well, he should be, but I'm sorry. I won't, I won't take a time. You're my favorite Jew. No, I don't even try it now. But you know you are. Okay. David A. Price. <laughs> even though you have all those down, down the street from you? From, uh, fr- from from high up in the grounds of... Uh, yes. There are many. There are yeah. many, many. And they have a new bridge to walk now. Ooh. Yes. They redid the... Um, damn it. Why can't I think of the name of the bridge? Anyway, there's a bridge in Scranton across which they seem to love to walk. And now um, Harrison Avenue Bridge has been redone in a beautiful Art Deco style, and now they can walk on this bridge. What yeah. else is there to do? That's great. I know, with, the, with their hats and their shirt tails of hanging course. out. The hats and the, and the dreads, the curly cues. Yeah, I don't get it, but more power to you. It's, yeah, that's true. Whatever. You didn't, did you hear me in, include you in the, the Hanukkah song? Because you spin the menorah? You said David you Lee Roth. Spin a menorah. You know, <laughs> <but> it's, <I laughs> know. said David Lee Roth, so I didn't know that that was for me. Thank you. Now light you can, it up and spin it. You can spin the menorah. You can spin a drape. I guess you can, can't you? If it's got like a ball bearings, wouldn't it be neat to spin a menorah? Yeah, if it just he lights the menorah. the menorah. He doesn't spin it. There you go. And Arthur Fonzarelli. Hey. Hey. <laughs> Nice, like Ma- Mark Laming. It is an absolute Maybe disaster James seeing what Henry Winkler looks like these days. Uh, <laughs> he, he has not aged so well. One of the great mysteries of, of life is how that TV show convinced us that Henry Winkler was cool. Right? Because when you go back and look at it now, you're like, that dude was the cool guy? Really? <laughs> I don't say that. Because if I saw him wearing that jacket, I'd probably laugh at him. I really right. wouldn't. And you know how old? I mean, and we're all we're we're all giving Roy more shit, but you know how old he was when he's hanging around all these fucking high school kids. That's true. That's true. Come on, it's a classic. Yeah. That is also true. And the brother's still upstairs, right? Chuck. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, he never came back from the war. <laughs> never came. Okay. Physically, yeah, he came think back. About that. You Mentally, Joni's dead. Chachi's, yeah. Chachi's a trumper. Chachi's fucking brain dead. Uh, yeah. It's true. Have yeah. you guys seen the statue of Fonzie that they put up in Milwaukee? 
No, but that's oh, you should great. you should you should Google it. It's it's hideous. <laughs> you, you would wrong. You would look point. at this and you would say, "Who who is that supposed to be?" Nice. Except for the thumbs. You know, you can tell by the thumbs. <laughs> hey, <laughs> sit on it, and you sit on it because this is eleven o'clock comics episode five one two, and I'm Vince B here for you. Oh, how about that? Oh, I like that. That's yep. I. I didn't know we were rhyming, but I'm. I'm David A. Price is just so nice. That's right. Oh yeah, and yo scratch skiddy cat cat. I'm big shock, and man's not hot. I I don't understand one word you just said. <laughs> but you're not any of that. I don't even. I couldn't even find a name you're in not there. Random noises. Yes, you're not Eddie Grant. I don't know who he is. <laughs> You're Jason, you're Jason Wood, everybody. You haven't heard. Wait, you haven't heard. Man's not hot. I don't understand what you're saying. Okay, you haven't heard. Yes, I got that the, part. The song called "Man's Not Hot." No, I, if you say it slower, I'm not going to understand it anymore. What is there this? is a song called "Man's M A N apostrophe S." I get not it. Okay, hot. I get that. But who sings it or big, who talks big it? Big Shack raps it. Okay. I know. I have and never. And it is heard very it. popular with all them kids. It's a very silly, over the top rap song by a British dude named Big Shaq, and he, it is something to behold. He, he does what's the equivalent of a modern day scat, trying to make sound effects, but they're awful. Oh, I'll probably In, like it then. Including scratch skiddy cot cot. That's an actual lyric. Yes. I thought I thought you were the uh, <laughs> the, the the college. Ball player from uh, the Key and Peel skit who was just no. random construction noises, but that's. Cool. I will give you the refrain from Genius.com. The tingo scra, pop pop ka ka ka, skidiki pop pop, and a poo poo pooter boom, skia doo cuckoo doon doon, poom poom. You don't know. I like this already. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to hear this intro music. Well, no, I can't change that, but right. I, I can have it for next week. Right. All right, I will send you the link. And we have something for this week, right now. We Jason, do. we have a very special guest this special week. Special sauce. Why don't you tell them all who it is? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to introduce the man, but I'm going to let him introduce himself, really, because admittedly, we don't know his bio. I, I couldn't Wikipedia him. But we are very pleased to welcome aboard, six months in the making, uh, certainly one of our um, most humbling patrons and a dude that uh, we have gotten to know in the community uh, this past year, and it's been a pleasure um, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Carlo Escada. Thank you. Thank you. I think I'm going to pass out now. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have none of that. So, Carlo, uh, tell, tell, uh, tell your fellow EOC brothers and sisters uh, a little bit about yourself. Well, let's see. Um, I live in Madison, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Kind of the sinosure of the comics world at times. <laughs> former, nice. former home of Capital right? Comics. Yes. Uh, lots of strange intersections go on here. So I'm married 10 years now. My lovely wife, Gail. Congrats. And uh, stepson, Jonah. He's 18 years old and deep into the college search right now. Oh. I got uh, identical twin daughters, age almost 31. Those two, I got to give them a shout out because I infected them with my geekdom early on. They um, got it. They went the anime and manga route, and now they are artists in their own right. They go to Midwest anime and manga conventions and set 
They got a table set up in Artist Alley. Epic Wind Studios. There's the shout out. You can look it up. Mm-hmm. Um, vocationally, I am the elected clerk of circuit court for Dane County, Wisconsin, in Madison, mm-hmm. Wisconsin, the, the county seat and state capital. Been doing that for 11 years now. And a uh, you know, lifelong comics geek, science fiction geek, fantasy geek. Sweet, I, and here you are. I dabble in it all. Yeah, here and here I am. You know, I got to tell you, when I was a young man, I promised myself that one day I would wind up on the cover of Time magazine. Right? Got a little older, that didn't happen. <laughs> I thought, well, what People magazine? I could do that. I mean, they put people on the cover that who have interesting life, right? diseases. You know, I, I, I might get some strange disease and wind up. Mm-hmm. Well, that I, I got a little older, and that didn't happen. So I, here I am, fifty-four years old, and this is it. This is the pinnacle right here. Oh, nice, awesome, international podcast superstar between you it's between you and jeff lemire for our man of the year so <laughs> sweet well done thank you thank Welcome you so board you know I, I gotta say um generally i'm the most hated person on the show in terms of profession because of being a, a wall street guy but now we have a politician on the show so. yeah i know i know I'm nice used, I'm, I'm used to that <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's great to have you. And I have to say, you have embraced this appearance because, uh, listen, we are not um, we're not afraid to uh, take everybody behind the curtain. It's kind of one of our things. When we originally decided to structure the Patreon the way we did, there was some discussion about, well, what if a person does that 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 level of patronage and, and like it's it's a disaster? Like, what, what do we do? And mm-hmm. I think at the time it was like, well, that's a risk we're going to have to take. Yeah, yeah just wait, just wait. Well, I'm confident. I'm putting the pressure on you, but I'm confident based on our interactions over the last few months that you are definitely not going to be a disaster. But just take solace. If you've listened as long as I think you have, even if you are a disaster, you won't be the worst guest we've ever had. Okay. I'll take solace in it. I I promise not to fall asleep. I promise not to take a piss on the the live. Oh, hey. That's two pluses in my book right there. Yeah, Yeah, I was going to say. Cool. And I have something. Actually, it's it's a weird uh, synchronicity. I brought some manga for this week. Yeah, how about that? Yeah. You know, you fascinate me because I specifically looked on Slack to see what you read so that I could collab with you, and I didn't see any manga on there. Well, that's because you're um, a little ignorant of the genre because it's there. Is it? Yeah, it's okay. I don't hold. Oh, well, I didn't I see it. it. Was see, you just added it though. I didn't. I, <laughs> yeah, two days ago. Oh wait, you talking about BD? No. Or no. DG. 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 What the hell are we talking about here? This is not fascinating. But let's look, and and I want to see what DG is. Devil Whatever. Man Grim. Yeah, Devil yeah, Man yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, now thanks for spoiling it. All right. <laughs> As usual. This here mess has been sponsored by Discount Comic Book Service, where you will be spoiled with the incredible discounts they offer week in and week out and month in and month out. DCBService.com will get you your books for a fraction of what you're going to pay at the brick-and-mortar stores. For example, got some specials for you. Listen well. From Image, it's the beef. Where's the beef? It's at Image. And it's written. <laughs> it's written by Richard Starkings and Tyler Shane Line, and it is illustrated by Shake a Cane. Shake a Cane. 
and John Rochelle. The cover price is three ninety nine. This is a five issue miniseries, by the way. You are going to be able to bring this bad boy home for a dollar ninety nine cents. From Black Mask, we got a new series starting. It's written by Zach Thompson and Lonnie Nadler. Art by the great Peter Kowalski. It's called Come Into Me. And the premise intrigued me, so I had to buy it. It's a contemporary comment on connected culture and our longing for approval in the digital age. There's mind sharing going on. Two minds joined as one. They share thoughts and emotions and memories, and I have to have this. So the uh, the regular price on this thing is three ninety nine, but you will be able to get it for forty five percent off two dollars and nineteen cents. Now, last but certainly not least, we've been talking about this for a long time. Written by Garth Ennis, illustrated by the amazing, and that's not hyperbole, uh, Russ Braun, covers by Dave Johnson. It's Jimmy's Bastards. Trade paperback volume one from Aftershock. Get this cover price fourteen ninety nine. Not too shabby, as Adam Sandler says. Um but you, because you're super smart, and go to DCBservice.com to get your books, can have it for eight dollars and twenty four cents. Unheard of. Right, Jason? Cannot hear it dcbservice.com does not mind late orders or order editions and you get your books all delivered nice and safe and sound and superbly packaged and you hear the ding dong and what is it who is it it's my books on my stoop oh my god i it's effortless dcbservice.com go excellent yes by the way before we move off of the dcbs did you all happen to see on the facebooks the picture that uh co-owner of DCBS, Mr. Cameron Merkler, posted? I did not. Well, dude is like your age, right? <laughs> oh, I'm not saying that to make fun. I'm saying he's like around 50-ish, right? I don't think... I think he's in his mid to late 40s. I don't think he, he climbed 50 yet. Okay. All right. Well, but either way... All right. He's, he's definitely... He's definitely past that 45-year mark because he's got kids that are out of college. But he, my point being, dude posted a picture... Sometime this week, he's yoked. I'm talking about like straight up, like zero percent body fat yoked. And as a dude who is not too far off that age and is not yoked, I got mad props for the dude. So props to you, Cam. Yes, props. I mean, I know you're yoked because you do the hard labor every day now. I am yoked. I have legs of steel. Nice. Yep. Yep. Speaking of legs of steel, what are we drinking? <laughs> <laughs> That feels like a totally appropriate segue, even though it made no sense. Yes. I, I, right. I tend to do that. You want me to go first? Because I got something special. I would I, hope so. If you weren't bringing it oh, please, with, please. with our guest here, I would be upset. Not the Pepe Mac. No. In honor of your presence, <laughs> I, I decided to, to bring some of the vino this week. And not only is it wine, but it's wine native to the state in which I reside. This is called uh, the Sorrenti Family Vineyard, Pennsylvania Red Wine. It's a Merlot, and it is delicious. Produced and bottled by Cherry Valley Vineyards, Sailorsburg, PA. Do you know how close Sailorsburg is to me? 
How close is it? Maybe it's less than an hour. Crazy. Yeah. And you know what this was less than an hour? What? My house. No, it's not less than an hour. It's not? No. It's on a faster it's, drive. It's actually, it's actually 145, but that's okay. Damn, son. Yeah, I know. I guess um, that explains why we never hang out. In, in true Italian fashion, <laughs> I was given this uh, wine on the QT because I did a favor for someone. Forget about it. And, Forget about it. And he has much more waiting for me should I do more favors for him. Wow. So I'm, to speak. <laughs> I'm intrigued. Yes. <laughs> I'll tell you about it later. Mm. Do you have to give somebody a knuckle sandwich? or uh, I'd hurt somebody for it, yeah. Sicilian necktie? Or? <laughs> I won't kill. I will maim. Oh, you won't kill? No. Will you maim? Okay. I will maim, yes. Who's up next? Dap? Okay. This. You all right? I'm just, no, man, no. I was really awesome. For it. <laughs> well, kind of, because I, I rarely go second. So, yeah, I was I was on the edge of my seat. Uh, this is, uh, I felt that this would be uh, appropriate for tonight. It is a product of South Africa. It is a Cabernet Sauvignon. The wine is Excelsior. Wow, I get the, I get it, I get mm. it. Yep, uh, crammed with abundant black around aromas. This full-bodied wine is a mouthful of plum flavors, delightfully versatile. It makes a delicious partner to a variety of foods and podcasts. So there you wow. go. Wow. Now, where's that bottled? South Africa. By whom? Uh, wine of origin, Roberts. It is produced and bottled by Excelsior Ashton, South Africa, mm. uh, Cape Classics. Nice. It's actually bottled somewhere else, but the Excelsior people just put their name on it. See what I did? Yeah, there? that was good. That was good. I like it. You're so crazy. Okay. Wow. <laughs> I know I crickets, right? Four. <laughs> Jason, the goat next. Uh, I'm drinking a oldie but goodie, one of our go-to wines that we always have in stock, uh, Santa Julia Reserve uh, Malbec 2015. Sweet. Argentinian, for those Mm. wondering. Wow, we're all over the map. Pennsylvania, South Africa, Argentina. It's all about the grape, though. It's all about the grape, though. It's all about the grape, and I'm going to put a stop to that right now. Oh, Oh, boy. uh, So, so, you know, you guys... You prefer the grape. Occasionally, you got the grain. Somebody's got a, a decent beer, usually Vince. I'm going to go to the cane, which I don't think has been on the show before, and I'm talking the sugar cane. Ooh. I have a fine Venezuelan rum. It is the Diplomatico Reserva Exclusiva. It is liquid sunshine, boys. It is it is just a great sipping rum, and I've poured myself about a finger, and that's all I'm going to drink because this cannot get out of hand um, I do have a follow-up, which is a very good local beer from Plover, Wisconsin, about an hour and a half north of here. The Oso Brewery put together something called the Hop Debacle. It's one of those fuzzy IPAs that are all the rage. I guess they got their start out in your part of the world. They're they're coming here now at our local breweries, and it is a, just a fine, citrusy, exotic-tasting IPA. That comes next. And then it'll be water, because i got to keep this real. Wow, I think Carlo just showed us up. I think well, Carlo is uh, is it's like the it's like the guy that gets the he gets the walk on and then he hits the game winning shot to win the national championship. I think he's he's making a case to replace Neesman. He's trying. Whoa. Oh, you you found me out. You found me out. Listen, you guys, and and one more thing. 
for all the people out there listening, whether you're driving a big rig and you got your <laughs> cup of coffee next to you or you're sitting at your desk and you're, you got something a little bit harder, in honor and recognition of you guys and the work that you've done over the past 10 years and 500 plus episodes, I want to propose a toast that all of the listeners should raise their glasses, wow. be they real or imaginary, and take a drink to honor these men and the wow. great work that they do. I've learned so much from you guys over the years. I know that I'm not alone in that. And uh, you deserve the accolades. And so I am downing this rum right now. Oh, snap. Well, here's to you, sir. Man. Fry. You drink the whole no, thing? No, tear it up. I'm tearing up up in them screets. Seriously. Wow. My oh, son is, is hammering not. nails upstairs or something. Be in the is field. he really? I don't know. He's it not just like what, though? Just is it, are, you sure, are you sure it's not? Is it a real hammer? or no, It's no, not no, the no. Hebrew hammer, but... Yeah, somebody's going to die if they keep hammering that stuff. But anyway, Oof. let's um, let's move let's on keep... to the comics there. Yes, let's do it. Or wait, um, I do have a thank you. As do I. But I can't be very specific well, other than the person that sent it. I don't think if if I receive something, I'm not going to say anything until our Christmas episode. Yeah, that's yeah. Asked, well, I'm so. going to oh, say I, it. I think, yeah, what, you, what you're talking about, I think we all got something and we should save it, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. But I, I did want to shout out something because I did receive it and it wasn't – I was told I didn't have to wait to open it. So I'm going to treat this as an early birthday present instead of a nice. gift. And um, I may have alluded to it on an episode or two back, but it arrived. So I definitely want to give the thanks again because it's glorious now that I have it in my possession. Mr. Peter Drummond was so awesome to have uh, found and unearthed a um, beachhead – three and three quarters inch action figure from G.I. Joe. Yes. In fact, I did mention it because Vince was baffled that Beachhead was my favorite yes. character until he realized that. He's the one with the parrot, right? Yeah. yeah. With the parrot in the white hat. So Beachhead is the ranger, and so it arrived, and let me tell you something. In all of the many years that I have been an internet consumer and have purchased things, never, ever from anyone, professional or individual, have I ever seen something as lovingly and safely packaged as the way that this action figure was packaged by Peter. It was, it, it probably could have survived a, a Kim Jong-un attack. <laughs> nice. Mm-hmm. But it's awesome. It's, it's awesome. It's got the backpack. It's got the satchel. It's got the, the, the semi-automatic machine gun. And the mo- probably most importantly, he sent it with the original cutout, uh, file card. Oh, nice. nice. That's the best, right? Yep. Yeah, totally awesome. So, uh, much love to you. And for those that are wondering, uh, Beachhead's real name, anyone know it? Anyone? Elton John. Wayne R. Sneeden. <laughs> Guess where he was Larry born? I he was born in Alabama. <laughs> now, chances are, <laughs> you know he would have voted for who he would have voted for, and then he wouldn't be my favorite G.I. Joe, so I'm glad right. he's a fictional character. <laughs> Oh, and one other thing. One of the little fun facts. There we go. Oh, really? No, one of the little fun facts. Since we have a politician on the show, politics are fair game. Um, <laughs> as we all know, um, there was a resignation of a certain former SNL star turned senator in the state of Minnesota. Yeah. Mr. Al Franken mm-hmm. had to step aside because he was uh, a little bit uh, too inappropriate with some ladies back in the day. But uh, the governor appointed a new senator this week. And that senator is none other than Tina Smith, who is the wife 
of one of my good friends and former partner at our firm. Wow. Yes. I have had the pleasure of dining with and spending time and drinking the grape in Tina and Archie's home many, many times. And uh, I can tell you all, probably some of you don't care one way or the other, but for those of you wondering, um, you know, who's going to replace Frank, and she is phenomenal. She is an incredibly articulate, thoughtful person. And, and by the way, shock to everybody, because I know this is unusual, she is an actual living, breathing moderate. She actually wow. sits in the middle of most political issues, which I know is a. It's like uh, it's like discovering that Nessie's real, but uh, she is wait, in wait, fact wait. moderate, and she is certain else. <laughs> <serving as well. laughs> Nessie is real. Oh, I agree with you. Okay. Um, I have a quick thank you from our good pal, uh, the Dildonator. I saw Frankie. Jesus this afternoon uh, and he handed me a really nice piece of original art um, Whoa. Frankie for those of you who do not know uh, has a sketchbook that he takes with him to conventions and the sketchbook is full of Mr. Monster pieces and he had um, he kind of really only wants Mr. Monster in his sketchbook. So this is a Mr. Monster that is not in his sketchbook because it is a uh, actual commission that uh, that, that uh, he had in his possession. And because it's not in his sketchbook, he gave it to me. It is by the extremely talented Mr. J.K. Woodward. It is a beautiful piece. I will scan it uh, this weekend to have it up on... Um, on calf, but I really, really like it. I don't know. I, I need to rearrange some things because it's got to go on the Mr. Monster wall where I have my Hardman and my melon piece. So I am um, and, and the wacky scroll page that uh, Jason gave me a few Christmases ago. So um, thank you very much, Frankie. Say his name again. The Dildonator. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we ready to do some comics? Oh, we. We are. Should, should, we, comics. should we let our, our our special guests start us off? Well, that's what oh I my was God. planning, yes. Yeah. Oh, did I step on your dick? I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> oh, <laughs> of course you did. Somebody's super salty today. Really? Oh, wow. I'm Larry's up in, No, dude, I'm, I'm, playing, I'm playing it up. I'm playing it up. Jason Pretzel. It's <laughs> a <laughs> sourdough nibbler. <laughs> all right. So I, so I got to figure out if I'm going to do this right. So first of all, should I do something light or something a little darker? Hmm. You know where I stand. <laughs> dark. Sure. Dark. dark. You know, you know, Vince B. The the man that I learned the word transgressive from. Nice. I've never heard that word before. So let's talk about shipwreck. You guys read that? Shipwreck. What? Who published so you, that? Aftershock Comics, written no. by Warren Ellis, Phil Hester on pencils, Eric Gapster on inks. Color art by Mark Englert, lettered by Marshall Dillon. Now, Warren Ellis is one of those guys, I think you talked about this in the past, like who is a person on a book that their mere presence on the book is going to compel you to buy? And Warren Ellis is one of those yep. people for me. I mean, granted, some of his stuff, uh, sometimes it's a miss, but when it's a hit, it's a hit. And this this one, this one is out there. Um, so... 
you know, you always get trippy, high concept stuff from Ellis, and and you certainly get that in this series. Um, Hester and Gapster. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess the Inker is responsible for these, the the just the darkness and the shadows and the, the thickness of the lines. There's just all these deep shadows, and everything's really the 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 bodies and people's hands. There's lots of close-ups of hands, and they're all very craggy and and threatening. And and just from page one, you get this sense of foreboding and despair, um, just oozing out of the book as you meet the main character. And that main character is a figure that we get to know as Jonathan Shipwright. And when you first see him, you're actually seeing the world through his point of view. And it's a very ambiguous point of view. He's maybe drowning in water. And as he emerges, there's birds flying above. And one of them has this severed eyeball dangling in its beak. Nice. And, and then suddenly he's on dry land and there's no water to be found. He's in this... Um, desolate, rocky landscape, looking up at birds. Uh, no eyeballs this time. But these birds, they're, they're flying in these weird formations, concentric circles, and suddenly they take off in a direction. And he just kind of gets up and starts plodding after them. There's some mysteries about this guy. I mean, certainly we don't know who he is or how he got there. He's also got something wrong with one of his arms. One of his arms is kind of orange and wrapped in a bandage and there's no explanation as to what's going on there, at least not yet. Um, he's walking through this landscape, and what says post-apocalyptic landscape more than, you know, telephone poles set askew with no wires hanging up on them? You know, wherever he is, it's just this, it's it's a place that's just been ruined. But where is it? You know, is it is it our world? Is it someplace else? Um, and one of the other things you find out, like right on the third page, is this guy apparently has the ability to teleport himself. Ooh. You see him walking, and suddenly there's these curls of smoke around his feet. He disappears in the next panel, and in the next panel you see him emerging amongst curling smoke much farther down the road. Um, not tremendously farther. He does apparently have a limit on his teleportation abilities, but you do find out more about that as, as we go on. But, you know, you get through the first few pages, and the first thought that comes to you is, what the hell is going on here. So the next thing that happens is he winds up in a diner, right? And it's this busted up diner. It's all messed up. The, there's a big sign with the word diner on it, but the, the eye is missing. And I couldn't help but notice then that it makes the sign say rend backwards. And mm-hmm. that jumped out at me because of what happens a few pages later, which I'll, I'll get to. Um, Shipwright goes inside. He encounters this mysterious figure who calls himself the inspector, just the inspector. The inspector has a big old manila file folder full of paper clips and photos all about the Shipwright guy. And the inspector informs Mr. Shipwright that he is, he, Shipwright, is the only survivor of something called the Janus mission, uh, described as the secret Air Force flight to test a new propulsion system. Hmm. Um now, I guess we can presume that the propulsion system had something to do with teleportation. And apparently, Shipwright has some aspect of this technology somehow built into his own body. He eventually calls it the Apporter Mesh, A-P-P-O-R-T-E-R, which is a word I've never heard before. I don't know if that's an actual word. Um, we find out from the inspector that Shipwright believes that the flight was sabotaged by someone by the name of Isham, 
And whether he's conscious of it or not, Shipwright is pursuing Isham in this place. And this revelation just has this whole, you know, the man in black fled across the desert and the gunslinger followed vibe to it. Like, um, you never, you don't see Isham yet, but there's clearly a pursuit and retribution is at hand. Um, one interesting exchange that the inspector and Shipwright have has to do with the differentiating between the word auger spelled a-u-g-e-r mm-hmm. which means they use a tool to make a hole mm-hmm. like yes. you know mm-hmm. this guy's whatever he was flying in it punched a hole in the ground right and the word auger a-u-g-u-r which means to divine the future from the flight and songs of birds and suddenly you think back to all those birds that led shipwright to this strange diner um the whole takeaway from this encounter is that shipwright has survived this crash um somehow recovered um the inspector says he was interrogated by the Air Force and then somehow thrown into this new world for some reason where he's been walking and pursuing um, all of the questions surrounding the sabotage of the mission. And the the strange, disturbing thing is all during this encounter over a few pages, these dozens of spiders emerging from around the booth behind the inspector's head, out of the seat, just dozens and dozens of spiders uh, just coming out not attacking not doing anything they're just there and it's just weird like why why that but it gets weirder than that boys shipwright <laughs> heads for the kitchen he finds the door locked he's like i'm wondering where are the people why is nobody taking our order right he's still thinking in those terms he teleports inside the kitchen through the locked door where he finds a rather attractive woman uh albeit she's covered in blood and she's sauteing up some eyeballs on the stove and there's there's eyeballs again yeah um and, and there's actually some more eyeballs to come. Um, she starts telling her story in this detached, sort of psychopathic way. It seems she's killed her boyfriend who had wanted to go to Paris. And her apparent concern about that was, how come he gets to escape this place and I don't? And we see his disemboweled corpse all hunkered down on the floor. Um, his, his parts, his organs, fingers... They're all in various cook pots all around the stove. Um, you, you get the impression this woman is pretty much completely out of her mind. But she seems to have an understanding of Shipwright in terms of what motivates him as a, as a human being, even though he's never laid eyes on her before. Um, but the culmination of the short exchange is that she comes at him with her butcher knife. Uh, he can't teleport out. Because apparently whatever tech is inside him, it it takes time to cool down after it's been used. And he just got in there. So he's got like a few minutes before he can get out. So he grabs a broom handle and he starts swinging wildly at her. He's knocking all those cooking organs out of their pots and pans. It's all falling on the floor in a big bloody mess. And unfortunately, the woman slips on one of those eyeballs. She falls onto a skewer, like a rotisserie skewer. It just penetrates her head from in one ear hole, out the other ear hole. And that's it for her. Um, How did I miss this? I, good question, man. This is right up your Especially alley. Because it's Bill Hester on art. Yeah. That's boy. Yeah, I, like I know. I, I'm, I'm bummed that I didn't catch this. Good, good stuff. Because it's Ellis and Hester. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so Shipwright runs back into the dining area where the inspector's gone and all that's laying around are a shitload of dead spiders. Um, but the inspector has left a note. The note says, there is a rescue mission. What? What? So emerging from the diner shipwright against these birds flying off in a direction, 
and he sets off to follow them. So that pretty much sets up issue one. It's a six-issue series. Um, the fifth issue just came out in November, so next month, or this month, actually, later, is the sixth issue that wraps the whole thing up. What you get in the subsequent issues is more of his wanderings through this strange world, more mysterious corpses, a couple more mysterious femme fatales. Um, or I should say femmes fatale. You get a flashback to the Janus mission itself, and what Shipwright's role in that was, what its actual purpose was, and, and most importantly, what its outcome was. Um, you know, hopefully in this next issue, I mean, there's this whole uh, notion of alternative worlds and, you know, uh, what happens when folks from our world wind up in a parallel world. How do those people perceive us? They perceive us as an alien invasion, perhaps. Hopefully this last issue is going to tie it all up. If it doesn't, I'm going to be pissed. Hopefully, um, <laughs> hopefully Ellis can stick the landing on this one. But it's a very compelling book with great images and very interesting um, characters. It looks really good. I, I was uh, perusing a bunch of pages uh, from it, and it looks very bleak. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah I know that uh, the second issue when uh, Duke's getting cut up. Jesus. I'm going to have to get the collected edition of this, which means if issue six has yet to come, the collected edition will probably be in the March or April previews. Yeah, it shouldn't be too far behind. So I'm yeah, on you're, it. Yeah, you're looking at the second issue, Jason, where they find the guy dead and the other yeah. guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But what that is is some kind of burial custom that they have where they cut the guy up and then the birds come down and just rip him to shreds until there's nothing left but a skeleton. Skeleton. And then, sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry, skeleton. I should have, I should have known that. I, I'll promise to say subsequent later on as well. Um, there we go. When there's nothing Damn. left, but the, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know the tropes, man. I've been listening for many, so, many years. I love so, that. Word. So then, yeah. So then, the guy who's doing this, he busts up the skeleton with a skeleton with a sledgehammer and just scatters the dust to the birds and. They call it a sky burial or something here. I can't quite remember what it's It says, sounds great. I'm gonna. I'm definitely on this. It is awesome. Shame on me for missing it. But it yeah. just goes to show you there's so many good things out there that we really can't keep track of them all. And that's why we have um, instances like this are very important. Cluing us in. Love it. We owe you one. Yay! It's true. And, and I have to say, he he's fitting it perfectly because just like Vince, you managed to talk about the one book that you read this week that uh, the rest of us didn't read. So much love. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jason, I told you. I gave you. I gave you lots of notes. Oh no, but that doesn't I, matter. I know, you could have given them the most extensive that list that you read. I read. Um, okay. To talk about, and you picked the one thing I didn't actually read. Oh, okay. Yes. Gotcha. Gotcha. But uh, good job, Carlo. Speaking of bleak, uh, Dap yes. and I read something that is that and much more. I don't know if um, uh, Jason or Carlo read this, but if you haven't, you should. It is written and illustrated by Matthew Bablay, and it is published by Titan Comics under the Static Press imprint. Statics. That's what I said, Statics. We've been going on about this uh, at length, not only on the... Yeah, we've been teasing it. Yeah, on the Facebooks, and uh, I, I teased it on the, the Patreon in one of my uh, cover-a-day images. It's astounding. It's called The Beautiful Death, and there have been three, yes, issues to date. Well, maybe issues four came date. out. 
I don't know. But we have three issues in our possession. I believe of five. Right? Yes, and we've read them. First issue being double-sized. Uh, apparently, this is not, um, I guess, easy to obtain. I, I'm, I'm guessing there was a possibly... I don't think they went... I don't think they overprinted uh, no. by many. And it's I don't not, think Titan does. No, you're probably right. And and I, I do know that um, when... Because uh, I believe in the patrons-only uh, cover of day... Uh, it was mentioned that one of our listeners uh, has ordered the first three, uh, and I think has only received the third. So I, I, I don't know if um, I just I don't think it's it's. I hope you'll you'll be able to run out and get this, and, and you will because I believe the collected edition is offered in this month's previews. I'm going to look for that. Yes. Um, Bablay sets it up with a quote, and it appears in every issue. Uh, the day shall come when all will whisper to me of their absence, and with cause, for I am the last man on earth. Now, I have not been able to find the source of that quote. It's not Richard Matheson. You would think it was from his novel, The Last Man on Earth. It's not Matheson. I don't know what it is. Oh, snap. I'm sorry. It's a deluxe hardcover. Yeah. Retailing for twenty four ninety nine. I did not check DCBS, but yes, you... Okay. So, we're talking about this when it's halfway finished, um, but by all means, you, you, you people should order this. Yes, you have edition. to. It's amazing. Um, but the the quote is is appropriate. It's an appropriate pairing because if you're familiar with Richard Matheson's book... Um, Last Man on Earth and the films I Am Legend and Omega Man, the the bleakness and the desolation and and the isolation that was front and center in all of those works is a part of the beautiful death. What happened was we don't get um, the exact nature of the calamity that caused the problems these few sur- remaining survivors are uh, currently facing. But we know that it started in China, was uh, preceded by some kind of earthquake, and the earth is teeming with insects of all sizes, giant worms that destroy buildings in, in their, their burrowing, and, and just little, uh, to, the, to the smallest insect that just populate homes and infest things. There's insects everywhere. And... Um, there are very few survivors. Some don't see people for years, if ever. And uh, way back when, when I talked about the first issue of this series, I didn't give it away because Dap hadn't read it yet. But I did say that it was one of the more shocking um, works I had ever read because Bablay pulls a bait and switch on you. <laughs> and it's 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 not telegraphed at all it it happens on the facing not the facing page but the back side of the page so you never see it coming it it starts with a character who who's alone naturally and it happens in the big city and he's wandering around you can go wherever you want to go there's nobody else you 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 can enter 
apartments or buildings and no one's going to stop you. You the, the world is your oyster. You can do and go anywhere and he does and he he operates this this radio station. Uh transmits an FM signal called All Alone FM, the radio station of the last man on earth. Looks like a shortwave radio, but he calls it FM. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Um and y- you get a pretty deep insight into the character, uh, his pre-apocalypse family life, his likes and dislikes. Mom hated dad. Um, his aunt used to make these cookies that the mere thought of the cookies makes him vomit. Like, you, we, no, we, not his aunt. It was um, it was just uh, Mrs. Jones, just uh, just a family friend. Okay. But we obviously we get a glimpse into what makes this what makes this character tick, and and he's wandering around, and on the next page, he's blown up by a rocket propelled grenade. You never see it coming, and and Beble devotes what fifteen pages to this guy. Almost, yeah, yeah, yeah. and boom, he's dead, and he's he's in a pool of his own blood. And then we are introduced to the three characters that will take the main stage through the series um jeremiah soham and wayne soham is the one the guy who the trigger happy dude who blew up this nameless man um we still haven't learned why he he passed it off as you know oh i i thought it was something i don't know and he, he he's so callous and and uh aloof to the to the <clears throat> fact that he just killed a human being doesn't really care and he's rifling through his pockets and then there's jeremiah who's kind of the moral center of of the story uh these guys have rules e- even though it's a post-apocalypse they have rules for survival and one of them is don't risk your life saving somebody else if it means you could die too it's just dumb there are so few of us left. If one of us is in mortal danger, just keep walking. Just go. Mm-hmm. And and there's a, a point where Wayne is hanging off the side of a building. It's in the rain. He's like, no, 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 just just go. Just leave me alone. Just go. I'll, I'll, just You can't. There's the rule. Remember the rule. And Jeremiah says, screw it. And he helps his, um, I don't want to say friend, because I don't think they really are. They're they're just in a situation where they're three of the last people left alive on the planet, and they have to make do with each other. So he saves him. Um, the, the The series is just it's it's not a a warm and fuzzy feel good story by by any account. Um, right. It, the Jeremiah is the most likable of the three so far. Um, in issue two, uh, they encounter another living being, a girl. So do the math. Three men uh, left alive and one woman. What do you think is going to happen? Um, and Wayne gets all rapey on, on the girl and closes the door and he's about to to do nasty, immoral things to her. And he doesn't. He leaves. Um, and eventually he does something that changes the story significantly. 
but we won't say because we want you to read this. But the, the, the story, the characters raise questions that would be insignificant in our current setting. Like they're looking at they, the, most of their day is spent jumping from rooftop to rooftop, entering buildings to find food. And their preference is canned food, of course, because it has a long shelf life. Well, it should. And they're sitting around and they're looking at the, the canned foods and Jeremiah notices that the expiration date on the can has passed. And so I'm just like, so what? And Jeremiah says, well, we can't eat this because it could make us sick. And if we get sick, there's no one here to tend to us. There's no doctors. If we get sick, we could possibly die. So is it worth it to eat canned food that's past its expiration date? And they're looking at him like he's crazy. But uh, he says something really significant. He's like, this expiration date on this food doesn't only mark the end date of the food inside. It marks the end date of us. Because once all the canned food is expired, we're pretty much dead. What are we going to do? There's, we, we don't see anything living besides bugs. Uh, how are we going to survive? We, don't, you know, we're not, we can't grow things. There's a, a hint that maybe there's a radiation, a prevalence of radiation, but we're really not sure. But it's just the bleakness of this story it's just three characters traipsing around in a city and there's nobody else the architecture is like a character dude we, i don't know why i haven't read this because it sounds phenomenally up my alley it You'd is love it. no you it absolutely is would love it the 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 weeds and the plant life are starting to slowly reclaim the city and it's nice. amazing because you Bablé goes all in on the architecture like he does mm -hmm. there's no photocopied city backgrounds in this thing all of, all right all of the buildings are hand rendered and he's not using a ruler you know what i mean yeah. it's it's yeah. very organic and it should be because you have these plants that are cracking the concrete and coming through and twining around shit and um i will say though that you may take issue with his approach to the human form he's very experimental like his nose is are very long the nose is like three quarters of the face and or it's like thin. Yeah. yeah yeah really thin it's like a straw and it has a little loop to dupe on the bottom of it and eyes are are, are close together and very the high. eyes tell you everything every yeah. character you mm -hmm. know exactly what they're thinking how they're feeling with the eyes his he has such a way with expressions and, and you have characters shooting shooting each other glances and, and, and whether they're glaring or surprised, yeah. everything is you could have panels with outward balloons. Everything is in their face. It's fantastic yeah. with as little line work as possible. It's amazing. But the the, I, the uh, color palette that's what I was just going to mention are, yep. it, it is superb. All of the colors are dirty. There's gray in every single color. Um, mm. And he shifts. A sequence will be ochres and browns with a little bit of turquoise um, or a, a corresponding blue somewhere in that side of the color wheel. And then he'll use uh, a sequence where it's like greens and, and but the major like the sequences stick to one color palette with a little stinger like the orange with the. You know, the blue with the oranges and the browns. It's amazing. The colors are just phenomenal. 
But um, there's more to this green-eyed girl than meets the eye. Like Layla Miller, she seems to know something. She she has a, a prior relationship with Soham. Um, she is a bit prophetic. She there, there's a flashback sequence where he's talking to her and he's like, "You told me something significant was going to happen. You said that to like it was going to happen soon. Something big was going to happen. I gotta know when's it going to happen." She's like, "Dude, right now." Oh, by the way, sorry about the loss of your eye. And as soon as she's done talking, this giant worm splits the building, and and Sohem falls out and he's trapped under the rubble, and that's when he loses his eye. And, uh, but she, like, she knows things. We don't know how she knows things yet, but, but she seems to have some kind of insight into why all this is happening. Um, the book takes a really weird twist in issue three. The bugs seem to be able to commandeer the bodies of the dead. Or if not the bodies, then the souls of the dead. Mm-hmm. And, well, uh, I'm not going to say any more. You need to read it. They um, they use the. And human... I'm sorry. Did you say is it a? It's a limited series or it's five issue? I'm... Five issues. Five issues. Okay. Yeah. Well, you, at least, you... Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's um it's a translation. So I mean, I don't know if there were follow up volumes, but as far as this this initial offering is just five issues. Right. It was presented in another format. You can tell because there's a little bit not a not excessive like heavy metal which um kind of shoehorns any kind of uh proportion into their magazine size format um there's a little bit more space on the bottom Mm. white space of each page which says to me that this was in a more um squat format than the the standard comic size but that's okay Uh, it's it's not a detraction from what's going on Oh God, I'm looking through it now. It's Jason. You you need to order this in the previews like right now. I know I do. I I, I don't know. I've seen it on the Slack. I know you've been reading it. I I I don't know how I missed it. Why I missed it. But the way you were describing the scene with the with the three people, it, you know. Um, now I'm gonna I'm gonna say what it evoked when you described it to me, and and I'm acknowledging that it's probably much different, but. Uh, the way you were describing, like the empty city and the feeling, I, I think that was perfectly captured in um, "I Am Legend," the movie, yeah, with Will Smith. Now, 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 here's what's interesting about that. I, I think the uh, the novella, which was vastly different, it was written in the in the fifties. I love the novella. I think it's uh, it's it's probably one of my favorite short stories of all time. I didn't think the movie was all that great because you know they turned it into like a Hollywood action flick. Mm. But I thought that the movie. The first part of the movie, when it's just Will Smith doing his thing in, in New York City, that was magical. I thought it was well filmed and, and it made it feel like he was the only man left on Earth. I think once it got into the whole you know monsters and vampires thing, it got a little wonky. But um, but yeah, so that it, it sounds per. I mean, visually, it sounds like something I would just be jaw on the floor for. for jaw on the floor for. So right. Well, like I said, Richard Matheson. That's it. Yeah, it, it is. It, it and you're right. It does conjure that that just emptiness from from i am legend and uh, omega man it's it's astoundingly good and uh apparently it's it's catching on because like dap said it's it's getting a little difficult to get the the third issue was kind of bittersweet for me 
Because uh, I thought, I thought I, I loved the way it starts off. Because even though we we pick up pretty much immediately after the second issue, where um, our heroes in air quotes meet the girl, and uh, the third issue is right away deals with the fallout from that from from Wayne's actions and. Um, but what's interesting is we get a little bit of we we get some Wayne backstory in the second issue, and you may, I think, initially when you're introduced to Wayne and and you see him uh, having to kind of carry these other two dudes, um, as far as helping them you know, forage and and keep them alive and. Um, He's pretty much the leader of the group, but you find out that, you know, he's not in, in his old life before the insectoid showed up. Um, he wasn't a, uh, an all around good guy, but the third issue we, as Vince mentioned with, with, with Soham and the young lady, we also get Jeremiah's, uh, days before, uh, the end of the world. But what I liked about it was that as he's after he's done delivering pizza and he's heading back on his little Vespa on his on his, um, on his bike, he uh, he clips a car, takes the side view mirror off. Uh, the person driving the car is the character we meet at the beginning of the series, right? Uh, and and just how as big as the world is and as empty as it seems to be right now. Uh, before it all happened with as crowded as it was and, and we're seeing just a handful of characters that we've kind of all met in the series kind of interacted at, at least over the course of a day. Um, but did you notice that Soham lives across the across world? That's who he was looking and, and which is again, and this is, this is all very subtle and, and it's, it's a, uh, because, Whereas Jeremiah seems to not so much, he's not so much demanding uh, Wayne's attention, but he, he's, he want he's possessive of Wayne. And he, th- he kind of, th- he's treating, when, when you read the first couple of issues, it's almost like he's, he's looking for any reason for, for Wayne to get rid of Soham, to get Soham kicked off from your little little click and it's weird to see him acting this way when when he almost looks because he does especially with the eyes he he's he, he's drawn to be a little bit more feminine than the other two dudes and when you see what life was like before uh the event it, it's almost like he's looking across the street across the way at Soham sitting in his recliner uh maybe somewhat longingly and 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 it's it's just it's subtle and it's just another layer where you're 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 getting maybe a little you can read into it by all means maybe i'm looking way deeper than what that boy is trying to do with the story of the characters but i I, i'm enjoying this because of what the characters are not saying what, what what's not being so in your face it it may be implied it may all be in my head but it's it's just it's it's done in a way where 
your mind is 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 kind of for me anyway letting the story go wherever it, it wants to go i'm not just so focused on what these characters are saying or their actions i'm i'm looking at how they are behaving and um not so much in the current or the present day but but how things were before uh the when everything went to shit yeah and isn't it appropriate the unsaid in a story where there's only three plus one people alive as far as yeah. we know like right. economy of thought economy of 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 speech there's there's it's 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 just empty everything is empty but jason there's whales in it oh yeah jesus what yes. yeah yes. there's um because there's the humans aren't around to kind of uh it's it's just um the whales are kind of like listen i mean the, the waterways are it it's that like is the when, brooklyn bridge isn't it 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 looks very much like the brooklyn bridge kind of looks like they're over by the fdr but it's it's you know how um when when humans come in and raise down uh they 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 go into the woods to build new developments things like that and it's like you know the animals are getting pushed away and messing up your ecosystem but without without humans around uh the creatures of the water can kind of just go back to to live in their life and not so much be shoot away or 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 it, it's the environment is is much more appealing. So yeah, I mean, you just got some whales just kind of coming through by uh, underneath the Brooklyn Bridge, yeah, dude. And then it, but it, it's the scene is not just eye candy. Uh, Bablet uses it to flesh out the character of Wayne because the whales are coming through. And he's like, yeah. he's like, oh yeah, those are humpback whales common to the coasts, genus Megaptera. And oh my god, I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting the semi right here. But <laughs> no, but Wayne has a son, whom he neglected. What up, son? Whom he neglected, and oh, the, yeah. the kid <laughs> used to love to watch nature documentaries. Yeah, and in a flashback, we see the kid going, "Dad," and he 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 cites. The humpback whale being genus Megaptera, but Wayne would rather ignore the kid and go with his lady friend and and have the sex while the kid's in the room. That's and sex. and it just shows that, you know, the, the ghost of the kid is is still haunting Wayne, even in this new I don't want to say a brave new world, a bleak uh new world. It's it's this is an amazing comic. And um Wow, I, I wish this was on everybody's. Facebook. You think we'll get a hardcover? Yes, it <laughs> is. It, that, that's what's in. That's what's in previews this month, though. Oh, that, it's a hardcover. Hard okay, I knew you said it was collected edition. All yeah. right, cool. We love you so much. We do. Relax, dude. I <laughs> relax, <laughs> my dude. That was. Oh, oh here we go. That that's <laughs> the signal, my dude, comma. Boys, boys. Yep. No, but, I've been looking at images sorry, while I'm you've been fight, talking I'm fight, about I'm, it. I'm like, I'm like. Uh, I'm like battling on multiple multiple fronts here. It's like I'm ha yep. having trouble holding the uh, the ranks because I'm I'm fighting fights on multiple fronts. It'll happen, Carla. What were you saying? I'm sorry, Jason interrupted it's you. A, oh, sorry, I'm, lo I'm looking at yeah. Oh my god, Jason is a beautiful human being. He's a um, dog. I'm He's looking at these, at some images from the book, and it's just the juxtaposition of the incredible, like, like almost photorealistic detail of the environment. You know, the the architecture, the bugs, those whales. Mm -hmm. um, they're, they're just drawn so true to life, and then you have these Modigliani type figures they wandering are. around in it, and yep. I just wonder what that's about. Like, is that a choice, or is that just how this artist 
like would customarily render human figures. Well, I'm not I, being I, facetious, but of course it's a choice. Um, well, but, but what does it mean? Well, unless we have Mr. Bablay here and sit him down and ask him why, well, the interpretation is up to us. Whether, uh, I mean, the, the, the reason why he rendered the figures so expressively and, and um, he, the, the human form is very malleable under Bablay, and yet the, the architecture is, I mean, he does not deviate. It's it's beautiful, but it is geometric. Like mm -hmm. uh, it's Absolutely. it's very rigid, and perspective is very much his friend. But if one thing that that I missed when I was um, reading issue two was the cover. I mean, I I looked at the cover forever, um, looking at the line and just the composition and how he he staged it, and it's a beautiful image, and the colors are just phenomenal, very understated color. But the thing I missed was if you look at the title of the book for issue mm -hmm. two, it looks like Fringe. Yes, oh, yeah. it it yeah, looks yeah, yeah. it looks like the title is in the same plane. Yep. As the edge of the building, as if they're looking through a plate glass window with the title stuck to it. Yeah, uh, it's an amazing image, and I, I I totally blanked on that until I was getting the images ready for the gallery, and I was like, "Son of a bitch, yeah, that's baby. a brilliant image." He he kind of Beverly kind of looks like his drawings. Does he? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Okay. That's that's a compliment because his drawings are beautiful. He must be a very beautiful I, yeah, man. I, I I I really it's it's we we haven't. I know Vince has probably read more Titan comics than than Jason mm -hmm. McBind, but this is um this totally felt like something I see in heavy metal. It 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 definitely has that um. That, well, like you said it, Vince, with with Bleak, there it, it, it's just that type of tone that I would expect to see in um, in something like heavy metal. But it is, it's, and normally, you know, I mean, I, we, I've I've seen, you know, War of the Worlds. I'm 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 used to those types of stories. I, I, but this is this is it's like you know when someone says The Walking Dead is not a zombie comic book it's about the survivors it's about the people dealing with everything that's the focus it's not so it's it this is these are for all intents and purposes the last three people at least as far as we're concerned on on earth but it's it's so much that might be the elevator pitch but that's not that's not what had me turning the pages and and wanting to read the next issue as soon as I was done with the previous one. It it's there's there's a lot more to it than just three dudes who are just trying to get by because there ain't much else going on. And and yeah. you know even even after they they um they come across basically an apartment complex to come you know they head over to uh to kind of like you know where Avon was setting up shop and and this way everybody kind of has their own building and, and uh, you can, um, yeah, you got one dude who's just every day, you know, you can go live in a different apartment and, and they're there for a while. And, and, but after they've kind of gone through everything that they can do there, 
it, it's time to move on. And and uh, it's they're not constantly looking over their shoulder because you know, someone else is trying to kill them. It, it's it's not a great world by any means right now, but uh, just getting to know who the characters are uh, and, and, and the setting that they're in, which is, is a, there's, I think I like the way he draws the characters because they are small and, and tiny compared to, to, to the vastness of the city. And, and then he can spend more time on the buildings, on, on the scenery. And it, it, I like that. We're not, we don't have every little bit of deep. We don't see every hair on someone's head. We don't see it. It's not cross hatched within an instant of its life because we're, we'd rather focus on there's no, there's no burn backgrounds in this book. Mm-hmm. Everything. There are plenty of, of, uh, of lines in every panel for you to just spend time on and, and, and soak in. Yes. By the way, Vince, I have zero issue with the way the, the, the characters look good. I, I'm happy because, the um, hardcover, as we said, is currently offered in this previews, 144 pages. DCBS has it for $17.49. Oh, I think I'm double dipping. Yep. Titan, Titan gets so much of my money every month. Uh, Bloodborne. Which is really fascinating because I don't think I've ever bought a Titan comic. Fighting I American, know. Dan Dare, Minky Woodcock. Uh, they're doing the Druyer, uh series that under... That James Stokoe did the covers for, Beautiful Death. Like, I spend a, a good portion oh, of my budget on Titan comics. And, Jason, mm-hmm. as of this previews, Titan is reprinting the original Robotech. Yes, which, oh, if dude. you oh, watched okay. the patron wow. video, if you watched one of the 12 vids of Christmas... It hurt my heart just now. You I, would I know didn't. I didn't that... I know. Me right in the heart right there. But, but Jason... Right in the heart, did mention that the macro uh, the the macro saga is being um the, the archives are uh, there you go I, so yeah which i think at that point that would be the aside from now the beautiful death jason will be adding that to the order but i believe i believe the macro saga will be um in jason's next order and i'm 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 toying with the idea too i need to read the solicit because i still have a lot of um it's at least 12 volumes of the, well, I have, oh, but I have, I have, I have memory of uh, three. Is it three? The whole um, thing is three. It, well, I guess I was going to say if you listen to the show, but you didn't. Uh, I, I mentioned that in the previous, it explains that there's this volume, and then there's going to be a second volume in Q3 of 2018, and then the final third volume in Q4 of 2018. But it, it's very vague about what it's actually included in this. Yeah, it, says, it doesn't include masters. No, well, it just says no. it's a collection. It says it's a collection of, of of stuff, including some never before published. So I get the sense this is not. You know, I don't think I, it's the comedian stuff. It definitely right, not exactly. So I, I I don't know what's included and if it's going to be like the ideal starting point. But no, it's definitely not the Kamiko stuff. No, because the Kamiko the, stuff were adaptations of the cartoons. Right, right. But uh, but I'm still down because it looks great. What's uh, um? What's awesome. it retailing for? What's it? Uh, what's DCBS got it for? Do you know? DCBS has it for. I'm on the page right now. Thank you very much, Mister Dapp. Uh, 
my internet is very slow because Ow. I'm But see Mike Leake is an artist on it, so it maybe it is some of the Kamiko stuff. Like I said, the the, the solicits and are vague. They yeah. do not say specifically what they're reprinting in these, but um and they do other than saying that it does it does include some previously unprinted or un US like not in the US before. So we'll see, but I'm I'm definitely down with it. Thirteen dollars and seventy four cents. Wow! Can we uh, can we jump back? Uh, let's make this an aftershock orama. Um, okay, good. Actually, if if what? however, real quick, uh, for 162 pages, 6.99 right now at Comixology, you can own La Belle Mort, which is the original version of the Beautiful Death from Comixology. But non English. Non English. Oh, interesting. Okay, that's a good look. <laughs> All right, I'm I'm going to jump back to Aftershock though. Sweet. Because uh this is something that I'm going to tag with our with our boy Carlo here. Um this is Eleanor and the Egret. Oh nice. Yes, I want to hear about it. Issues 1 through 5, the complete series, written by John Chu Lehman. Art by Mr. Sam freaking Keith. Yes. I before E. Yep. Yes, I before E. Except after C. Uh, colorist Rhonda Pattinson. And I was familiar with this book because uh, a couple people that we're friendly with had recommended it because they're big Sam Keith fans. Like Jay Tomio is a huge Sam Keith guy. Um, but I hadn't – I had the first issue, but I hadn't prioritized it. But then Carlo mentioned that he wanted to discuss it tonight. And so I went ahead and uh, read – bought and read all five issues on Comixology – and I got to say, it is a freaking, it is unique. It, there is not another comic book like this on the stands. Wow, that's exactly what I said. I said, this series looks like nothing else I've seen out there. It's Yeah. Now, now I, I will say, first of all, I, I reading this made me wonder when the last time I read a Sam Keith comic was, because I couldn't remember the last time. Um, I don't know what he's been up to. I, I, I read the Max stuff. Um, but I don't remember the last time I read a Sam Keith comic. Do you guys, have you guys read anything Sam Keith in the last oh, few years? Oh yeah, I've read everything up until this. Um, but like what? I'm saying like, what has he been doing? Uh, not Strange Girl. Um. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, he did a, a series for IDW that was very, very, um, introspective and, open mm-hmm. about sexuality and i can't remember the name of it but okay. i i mean i have zero girl no it's that was after zero girl mm-hmm. it, it was in black and white damn it but i mean i follow him wherever he goes i mean there was the batman um lobo stuff that he yeah, did the for lobo dc stuff, uh, yeah i didn't read it but i was long, who idw put out four women right that's a a reprint isn't it wasn't that originally produced from by wildstorm was it? Yeah. I don't know. Okay. I'm I'm almost certain that Wildstorm did four women. Oh. I don't know. Well, either way, um, it, it had been a minute since I saw Sam Keith draw some comics. Um, so this is a crazy-as-fuck story. Um, <laughs> essentially, it is, uh, at its heart, a heist book. Um, Eleanor is a kind of a, a, a dowdy mousy looking woman she's petite um kind of plain looking glasses 
she has a essentially a magical, almost mythical egret, which for those that don't know is a a a, a, a white feathered bird. Kind of looks like a, a cross between a pelican and a flamingo. Um, and she is an art thief in Paris, and she steals uh, a painting of a of a woman, a famous painter with the last name of Rue, and it's this it's this it goes from there. It's this quirky thing where the the French police are trying to figure out who stole the art, how they stole the art, and uh, and then we meet the artist Madame Rue, um, who's a total biatch. And we realize that, like, not all is as it seems. But the crazy thing is that Eleanor is this, uh, again, this 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 quirky this quirky woman who is is seemingly a good person, and she's stealing the art. Um, it's clear it's almost like a Robin Hood thing. Like she's stealing she's stealing the art for a purpose, but not to profit. She doesn't want to sell the art. Um, and then this Egret is this, uh, you know, it it is like a mythical being in the sense that um, it can change size, and a lot of its ability to be powered and um, invulnerable and much larger is born by its um, access to and ability to eat artwork. So it feeds on art, and when it eats art, it becomes essentially omnipotent and giant and can do all kinds of crazy things. And then when it gets hurt or is attacked um, or to, or the passage of time, it starts shrinking back to a normal size egret. In fact, sometimes it even gets so small it's like barely visible. Um, and it's just it's a crazy thing. And then the um, the French police that are investigating her um, sort of are getting a sense as to who she is and trying to track her down. But then they're somewhat antagonistic to the artist that's getting the artwork stolen. And it's pretty clear after a bit that it's not a general art thief, but but specifically this artist named Rue is getting her art stolen repeatedly over and over again. Uh, and there's it's clear that there's a reason behind that. Uh, and then over over the course of the five issues, we learn that in essence, Madame Rue is essentially a succubus, some kind of creature that um, she can absorb the abilities of another person and take on their abilities. And as a result, it steals the the person, it wh- whoever person she's she's taking the abilities from. It takes the ability from them. So there was some time ago when uh, there was a, a an apartment building where there were all of these artists living, kind of like an artistic commune. There were there were writers and composers, and then Eleanor was a painter. And one day, all of them stopped being able to do what they did. L- the, the, the musician couldn't play instruments anymore. Eleanor couldn't paint anymore. Um, there was a seamstress that couldn't sew anymore. Uh, and they went on with their lives. Where pretty much they just, they just moved on with their lives because they, they didn't have those skills anymore. But it turns out that their landlord was the succubus. And she channeled their abilities into fame and fortune and longevity. And at this point is Madame Rue, this beautiful, mysterious woman who paints these paintings that are being sold for millions of dollars in, in galleries and the like. And Eleanor's whole purpose is to try and um, get revenge on her and to prevent her from being able to do this to other people and ultimately try and get her ability to paint back. Uh, and it's this just, you know, it's this quirky, strange book where um, you, on one hand, it's like um, it's like watching a Pink Panther movie with Inspector Clouseau. Uh, and on the other hand, it's this 
psychedelic world where, again, this egret is growing to the size of a building at times. And there's this um, antagonist, uh, essentially a henchman that that uh, the artist hires um, by the name of Ives. And he's this grotesque Quasimodo Mr. Hyde figure that's deformed and um, has this lamprey eel like creature, worm like creature that it that 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 he he hangs out with his sidekick and they go after Eleanor and that's all of these things are perfect for Sam Keith because Sam Keith his drawing style is so exaggerated and 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 so um uh, so more, more, you know, so um, organic. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, so so he's not beholden to any kind of. Um, Sam Keith never met a a um, like a, a a character study or a character figure that he that he used. Right? It's 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 just almost blob like or super exaggerated anatomies, and it really works well when he when he draws the egret and when he draws the 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 henchman and Ives and his lamprey worm creature. Um, but it's just, it's this wacky story, but, but at its heart, it's a very endearing story about Eleanor who's well-intended almost with a Robin hood kind of motivation. Um, and her quest to, to, to right the wrongs that were done by Madame Rue to her and to all of her housemates. So, um, you know, kudos to you, Carlo for turning me onto this because, um, you know, I, I I guess I haven't read enough Sam Keith where he's a go-to for me, but oh. um, but but I can't imagine. But having said that, having read this, I can't imagine what this book would have been like if Sam Keith hadn't drawn it. If that makes sense, I I do believe, and I before Carlo gets into it, I I want to say the last time we had Ron on, he talked about this book. No, we haven't had Ronald re- that recently enough. I know. I, it, this isn't. How long did it take for these five issues to come out? The the first issue came out uh, in April of this year. Did it really? Okay. So then, no. Now, to be fair, Ron made this the pick of the week on our fanboy. Yeah, he did. Uh, so just to interject a little bit of data, the mm-hmm. trade paperback of Eleanor and the Egret is now. Offered in the previews, and DCBS has it for $8.24. Boom. On it. Yeah. Uh, David, Four Women was released by Wildstorm. Ah, And the book I was looking for, the title that escaped me, was My Inner Bimbo. But it was not published by IDW. It was published by Oni Press. Huh. Yes. I, I get everything, Sam Keith. I don't know why I didn't get Eleanor and the Egret. Uh, I'll tell you, I, the reason why I didn't see shipwreck. It's aftershock. It's exactly. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. I just kind of blow by the aftershock section. But I, like I said, I've been trying not to do that. But I may have missed the the solicitations for Eleanor and the Egret. Well, Carlo, I dominated that. So speak on it. What did, what did no, you that's, think of that, it? That's fine. You know, I, I got to say with aftershock, like I've read two books by aftershock in my entire life. And we're talking about both of them tonight. Oh really? Okay. That's yeah. <laughs> so, so the thing that's, um, that just strikes me so, so strongly about this book is like, like right in the first page in the prologue, when you first meet Eleanor, this page is just art nouveau. It is. I mean, there's obviously probably some famous reference um, embodied in the first page that I just don't recognize. And, 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 
There, there you go. Like the lower right where you see um, Eleanor from behind with her hair up and this exquisitely muscled back and shoulders and right. and the way that she's poured into this long dress that she's wearing, you know, strangely in the middle of this swamp. It's just, it's just beautiful. And, and, and the panel borders are just filigreed with figures and uh, faces and butterflies. It's just, it's just awesome. But then when you start getting into the major story, it's like it's like Art Nouveau meets Zap Comics, right? Because these these figures are just so strangely drawn, and and I see Robert Crumb like on every page, and and ultimately, when you finally meet Eleanor, you see Eleanor in many costumes, the, the, the beautiful long dress. You see her in her in her thief's outfit where she's strapped to, to the egret. You see her. Um, in something else. But then finally you see her in the pet store and she is the epitome of the R. Crumb, you know, wearing the cutoff jeans with the big fine legs and these giant boots and it's it's like it's like pure homage and I, I'm not sure where that's my god, I mean her, her calves are as big as tree trunks. I mean it's just it's just the way he would have done it, right? And um and there's all these little asides to to art. Like when you meet the um, the detective Belanger, he's got this cat. I forget the cat's name. I think it's like Cheswick. Yeah, Cheswick. This black cat. And apropos of nothing, the cat's sitting on a post. And it's adopting the very same pose of Le Chat Noir poster. Who, who did that? Uh, Steinlin. The Steinlin uh, Le Chat Noir poster. From 1890s Montmartre, and there's a little box with an arrow saying uh, something sort of like, uh, "Do you get this? Do you recognize this?" And I'm thinking <laughs> to myself, you know, maybe that's just, you know, that's just like your starter, right? I mean, for all I know, this entire series is littered with little artistic references like that um, that I'm just not picking up on because I don't have the history. There, there's another one towards the end where suddenly uh, the, the the evil artist Brew, she she morphs into this Modigliani figure and there's a little side arrow saying like uh, I can't remember what it says like Modigliani much or something like that it, it's it's hilarious and it's just a little treat just a little aside to the story that, that Sam Keith is just having fun with he, he for some reason he loves these little boxes with arrows you know there's there's um there's a, a bat, like this this writer guy, he has a bat, and there's this bat just hanging out with him, and there's a little box with an arrow that says, sad bat. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, well, it's, it's very helpful to know that that bat is sad. I mean, it's just yeah. so quirky and cute. He does and, that a lot, yeah. The the minor bimbo is littered with things like that. Yeah. It's, it's just comics from the id. All I know right? from it's Sam. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Sandman was really the only thing I know Sam Keith from. <laughs> Maybe. I've, I've seen... I've seen the Max like images, but that's oh, it. The Max you know. is where it's at. That's... Yeah, you need to read the Max. That's oh, his yes. magnum opus. It gets yeah. very strange. It starts off strange, and it just gets even more so towards the end. <laughs> what did <laughs> you think of the uh, MTV cartoon? It's not bad. It's it's I of dug its, it. it's of its time. Oh, I vaguely yeah. remember that. Yeah, I yeah. dug it. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's not. I thought it was better thing. than Spawn. Definitely. Yeah. Oh, oh true. The, the movie. No, the, the Spawn cartoon. cartoon, yeah. Oh, really? You didn't like the cartoon? I didn't, didn't, I didn't oh, okay, say didn't that. Like I just, no, you just yeah. didn't care for it. Okay. But I just ordered the trade of this. 
I got to stop doing oh, nice. this because my order just keeps <laughs> creeping up and up and up when we talk. Awesome. So, um, yeah, what else do we have here? Carla, what else do you have? All right. Well, you guys remember back in the mid to late 80s when there was that huge Gumby craze? Movies, <laughs> books, you know, clothes, lunch boxes, right? Yep. No, no, no. You don't remember that at all because that, that, that did not happen. <laughs> it did happen. But um, somehow, somehow, Komiko came out with a couple of Gumby books that are just, in my mind, just freaking masterpieces. And they just came out of nowhere. Like, I don't know if just a bunch of guys sitting around a room getting high and thinking, we need to do a Gumby book. And we're going to get some top-notch um, artistic talent on this book or on these books. Um, what we got here? I got – there's two books. I'm going to kind of talk about the first one a little bit. first one that came out was the uh, – where the hell are my notes? The Summer Fun Special. The Gumby's Summer Fun Special is from uh, July of 87. So – this is a book that was written by Bob Burden, that you might remember from Flaming Carrot. Yes, indeed. You got art by the incomparable Arthur Adams doing a Gumby book. Letters by L. Lois Bahalis, colors by Rick Taylor. We're, in this book, we're introduced to Gumby. He's described as a little boy. I always wondered what the hell he really was, but he's supposedly a little boy. And he's got his pet talking pony, Pokey. And, you know, who isn't familiar with these characters and the whole Art Cloaky backstory? But this this is just a huge departure from the wholesome, you know, Davy and Goliath kind of vibe that you got from Gumby and Pokey back in the day. This book is just random chaos, just a string of seemingly random adventures. Yes, it starts off with them encountering a suicidal neighbor. Um, there's a robot family. There's hysterical aliens called, appropriately enough, the Hysterions. <laughs> there are space bears that show up um, pursuing the Hysterions who have um, very tiny heads that nobody can seem to restrain themselves from remarking upon. Like, wow, why is your head so small? There's pirates. You wind up, Gumby winds up king of the pirates and they find themselves um, lost at sea and finally happening upon. Uh, Halloween Town with all of its spooky residents, one of whom is a little skeleton boy. Thank you. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the town <laughs> is menaced by a ruthless swarm of pumpkin eaters, which are just a bunch of guys with giant mouths and giant teeth teeths in their heads. It's a really fun read. Um, it's very funny. Burden does a great job on it. Um, but you know, it, it has this this character of just an ever cranking jack in the box, right? There's just crank, 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 boom! Some new random thing happens, and it goes back in, and crank, 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 boom! Something else just comes out of nowhere. It's crazy, very unpredictable, unpredictable surprise after surprise. But I take this book as an appetizer to what I think is the true masterpiece that followed about eighteen months later, December nineteen eighty eight. Gumby's Winter Fun Special. Yeah, I have to agree with you. Uh, I God. like the Rip Summer Fun one just because yeah. it's so off kilter and and devil may care anything goes. I mean the the Hysterions. The, you didn't mention it, but I, I think it's worth noting that their eyes are all <laughs> extended out of their skulls, yes. like you know, yes. in, in many comics you've seen boing when somebody's looking at something and their eyes bug out and they pop out of their head. Well, the Hysterions. They exist like that. Their eyes are dangling out of their heads. Yeah, I, I can't tell if they have control of those stalks or if they're just whipping around with their heads, you know. 
<laughs> but I yeah. do agree with you. The winter fun is the, the, the true masterpiece of the two. So I'm gonna I'm gonna really set this up. Written by Steve Purcell. And now Steve Purcell is just as far as funny books go, and I mean humor books, he is my hero. Sam and Max is just it just has a special place in my heart. I, I think everybody else feels mostly the same way. Yep. You got Art Adams. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. No, we do. We yeah, yeah, Sam yeah. and Max is great. Oh my god! And Sam and Max make a little cameo in this book, which I just it just ooh it just warmed my heart. So you got Art by Art Adams again, and this time he's really he's balls to the wall on this one because the first book you know you get a lot of nicely rendered figures on a solid color background. Where have we seen that before? You know, but there is none of that in the winter fun special um adams upped his gumby game so so the book is set up by gumby and pokey they're heading home from the dump with a wagon full of crap that they're gonna turn into new stuff like they're gonna turn a hamster cage into a swell catcher's mask yeah i want to see how that looks that's like something (laughs) out of you know what what is that 1984 brave new world or something and put that on your head and throw some hamsters in it um (laughs) They, they decide to take a detour down to the toy mine because kids have been panning for slide whistles or something in the stream coming out of the mine. But it's a pretty dangerous place, right? Because they're blasting in, into the earth to find all these um, all these unrefined toys. And uh, sure enough, when they get there, there's been a cave-in and there's like a dozen miners. And these miners are made of wood. And it, that's never really remarked upon. They're like these stringless mo- Later on in the book, somebody makes a point of like, should we eat these miners? And somebody says, well, I, I, I'm not sure that they're real. Um, so there's a bunch of miners trapped in a mine shaft. Of course, it's a truly exigent circumstance because it's the Etch-a-Sketch shaft. And the concern is that they're going to go mad trying to work those infernal things. And so Gumby and Pokey, of course, swing into action to help. They've been charged to run home and call 911. Um, and, you know, Gumby is very proud of his role. He's going to invite Pokey to watch him use the telephone, but Pokey has another idea. And so crashing out of the tool shed comes the Pokey piloted X5 nitro burning Dyna plunge crust crawler sedan, which will burrow lively through the earth to rescue the miners. So he got this thing from the back of a comic book, apparently. Uh, there's an ad next to the X-ray specs. He assembled it with his own hooves, which impresses Gumby. <laughs> um, although, strangely enough, Gumby himself doesn't have fingers. He just has these weird mitten hands, so I don't know how he could have actually dialed the phone, but that's a whole different issue. So they get back to the mine, and they, they meet the lantern-jawed Captain Whipstaff of the fire department. He's going to reluctantly allow Gumby and Pokey to penetrate the Earth's crust while they continue, as he puts it, they're futile, useless onslaught from above. <laughs> so, so in no time, they dig into the earth. They, they arrive at the caved-in shaft, but there's no miners. Where are the miners? Well, there's a new hole. Did the miners dig their way out, or did something else dig its way in? Like the mole people? So Gummy and Pokey have heard of the mole people with their yellow fangs and poisonous quills and energy beam-emitting eyeballs. But undeterred, of course, the heroes that they are, they follow the new tunnel in the X-5, and they emerge in a new cavern where they do encounter the mole people, who actually just look like a bunch of moles wearing hard hats and dungarees, and they speak in some kind of accent, which I can't tell if it's Brooklyn or Boston, maybe Queens. I don't know. You guys are East Coasters. You can read these and tell me what what they're supposed to be talking like. 
But it turns out that the mole man went and retrieved the miners in an attempt to get their help in rescuing the mole people's good friend, whose name is Ray Crab. I don't know where that name comes from. I don't know if that's a reference to something. Else. But he's being held captive by none other than the infernal prince of darkness and his hateful imps at the Earth's core, or um, what they deem heck. Because I guess it's a children's book, so you can't say the other word. Yeah. Um, yeah, the only thing I found about Ray Crabb is that he's apparently a retired lieutenant general in the Canadian Army. So I, I kind of <laughs> think that that is not what Steve Purcell was going for. Maybe it was. Who knows? Um, you know, unfortunately, when these these rescued miners join the mole people, all they want to do is argue amongst themselves and eat a lot of food. So Gumby and Pokey volunteer, of course, to go on the rescue mission to get Ray Crabb out of heck. So as they bore back into the Earth's crust, they discover that they have a stowaway. It's the littlest mole man, except it's actually a mole girl, and her name is Natasha. And it, it's actually at that point that Pokey realizes that they're actually not going home, but going deeper into the Earth, and his dismay is, is quite amusing. Ah, now we get we get to the best part. The, the X5 emerges in this huge, hot cavern. It's a, it's a double-page spread in the book. I think Vince said he put it in a gallery. I did. You got countless souls. They're traversing sort of a kind of festive boardwalk of doom. They're enduring all of the torments of heck. Like they're being forced to listen to 70s hit music marathons, Seasons in the Sun, over and over. They're being forced to watch Karen Valentine TV movies of the week. Uh, there's a booth that's called, uh, it's it's labeled in, in flashing lights, Kiss Phyllis Diller. But yep. what's coming out of the booth are these horrible tentacles grasping people and pulling them in. Um and then I, I love in this in this scene particularly, there's all these random rats scurrying about underfoot because Steve Purcell always likes to have rats running around doing funny things in the sides. And, you know, I, I don't know if Adams knew that or if Purcell said, hey, can you throw some rats in there? But I love the fact that there's rats. Um, so And before you move yeah, on, the, uh, the roller coaster mm-hmm. is, is going right into the mouth of a giant Klaus Nomi head. Which I'm is, glad you know which that. Is amazing I have no me. idea who that is. Oh, Klaus is awesome. Google Klaus Nomi. I, I, I'm writing it down. Soprano. Amazing voice. <laughs> well, you think they'd be happy to be going into well, with flaming mouth. Um, so, so ultimately, Gummy and Pokey, they find this Mr. Ray Crab, right? But they make an astonishing discovery as to his actual identity among the surface people. And I think you guys know, I don't know if everybody knows, should I tell you? Should I tell you who Ray Crab really is? You guys aren't telling me. I think no, you, should. you should. Yeah. <laughs> Ray Crab is none other than Santa Claus. And uh, he's drawn to look exactly like Sean Connery for some reason. Yes. Uh, that is <laughs> exactly, very yeah. Um, you know, there's just more crazy stuff. They, they actually, they, they rescue Santa Claus. They, um... They, they do so by creating a ruse. Uh, Gummy and Pokey are, are telling Beelzebub that uh, they want to join his infernal horde so that uh, dis- distracting him while the littlest mole girl can free Santa from his restraints. And, of course, it's so damn hot down there that Gummy and Pokey start melting. Um, ultimately, they wind up just being buckets, you know, fluid inside buckets with eyeballs floating in it. It's pretty funny. But... um. They uh, succeed in freeing Ray Crab. They defeat Beelzebub. They head back to the surface with uh, Santa Claus slash Ray Crab in tow. And they uh, 
they instead of making it home, though, they've accidentally gone all the way through the Earth. And what is exactly on the opposite side of the Earth from Gumby Town? Of course, it's some kind of approximation of Japan. And of course, what's wandering around freely um, making ruckus in Japan, but giant rubbery kaiju monsters. Mm -hmm. Um, They're just a bunch of 'er ne'er-do-wells. They look big and rubbery and fake. They're throwing trains at each other. They have names like Kroizad and Bluezar. And and they're just, they're just stupid. They're just, I don't understand Bluezar, Bluezar and his little blue boots. I mean, I never saw a kaiju wearing boots before. But but ultimately, the the these rambunctious kaiju are defeated by a giant um, Gumby-shaped robot. A la, um, uh, tell me a tell me a giant robot um, anime. Leopardon. Yeah, good enough. So he's giant, and all he has to do is the moves, right? Make, make, with with the arms and the legs, and you know, making the sounds and the cracks. And as soon as the kaiju see that, they just they run away in horror. Don't do that anymore. We can't take you screaming and snapping your joints at us. And so ultimately, they fly where they are greeted by their family, um, having a picnic. And the whole town is turned out. And it turns out, for better or for worse, all the denizens of Hack have decided to join the picnic on the condition that they will be good. And they are. They're very well behaved. And uh, it's just it's just a freaking tour de force. And, and, you know, when it's all over on the back inside cover, you are treated to just Art Adams wonderfulness of Gumby and Pokey speeding away in a Jeep coming straight at you with this giant dinosaur in hot pursuit. Just so mm-hmm. detailed, so beautiful. Yep. It makes me want to weep openly. Yep. Um, <laughs> it's just it's just a great, great, humorous, whimsical story from 1987 and everybody should pick it up there's so many visual nods and um nudge nudge wink wink type things the the uh double page spread of the japan with the godzilla Mm -hmm. godzilla has frills on on his on his head that continue down his back Mm -hmm. and that's a nod to the original ultraman um, the first season of the original Ultraman, they appropriated the Godzilla suit, mm-hmm. but they didn't use it as is in the show because everybody would know it's Godzilla. So they put like a, a frilly, uh, not frilly, but they put a collar around him. And this is an homage to that, that it's not Godzilla, it's Juras. But this is not Juras either. It's a, it's a Godzilla lookalike that has a, uh, spines and and a frill going down his neck where in the original it was just around his neck so it's like a this is burden uh, not burden um this is art adam saying yeah i know all about that but i'm going to give you this and there's uh ghidra in the background but it's not ghidra it's it has jet engines for (laughs) for wings and for all intents and purposes it's ghidra but i mean the klaus nomi thing there's uh, a Michelin man buried in in the toy mine, but I, I think the one of the, my favorite line in the entire book is when um, one of the miners is talking about what kind of day they had, and uh, he says, 
Well, it's been a great week, Gumby. Two days ago, we hit a vein of little rubber dinosaurs, and now we're blasting even deeper. We hope to find great quantities of plush animals and Pee Wee Herman dolls. Mm. Like, it's just, <laughs> this, this is definitely of its time, but, but it's a pop culture feast. The Batmobile makes an appearance. It's buried behind the fire truck in the scene where all of the rescue vehicles are coming behind yeah, them. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just amazing all of the 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 visual um, bric-a-brac that Art Adams infused this thing with. It's just a great comic. Oh my god, jeez! I I don't know how many times I read this comic and I never saw that freaking Batmobile. That is awesome. <laughs> and they're not expensive. Uh, if you wanted to, to pick up an original issue, I don't even think these have been reprinted, have they? I don't believe they have. Mm-mm. You can find them for less than I think the 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 winter's more than the summer. The winter goes for like four, and the summer maybe two. I mean, they're they're not expensive at all, and they're they're well worth the purchase. And they're extra sized issues, so you get a lot to chew on with these books. Oh yes, indeed. Mine are lovingly signed by Art Adams. Ooh. Nice. Oh, nice. Playa. Uh, I know. Play on Playa. Look at that. Kiss Phyllis Diller. Kiss her. <laughs> Diamonds are a girl's best friend. That's and Carol Channing. Are, are oh, they, yeah. Same woman. No. <laughs> um, are they making this... the, the denizens of hell watch the Love Bug movies? It looks like they're making them. Was I mean, Karen Valentine in the Love Oh, maybe. I don't know. And there's a giant wind-up monkey with the symbols tormenting all the 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 damned pretty amazing stuff this is um i remember when it came out i remember when both of them were 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 advertised in in the kamiko books um this is one of the and i i remember watching some of the uh, it was on channel nine here um but they would occasionally show Gumby, I mean, as well as Davy and Goliath, but there'd be the occasional Gumby episode that I would catch. But this is, as far as comic books are concerned, one of the few times, as long as I've been reading, that I can say a creator did not move me to buy a comic that he drew. I did not own these. Wow. As much as I loved Art Adams, I, I I don't know why, but I just I I did not buy these Gumby's issues. Well, so since we're making confessions, um, <laughs> I did not own the Summer Fun issue for many 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 years. Uh, the Winter I had and I loved, but the Summer originally published didn't really do anything for me because. They're, they're very different approaches to each one. The, mm-hmm. the winter is straight up Art Adams, yes. massive loads of detail. Yes. The, the summer is more like the Art Cloakey Gumby animations where it's very spare, very sparse. Like you said, there's not a whole lot going around in the backgrounds. It, it's, it's like the show, which was made on a shoestring budget, but you know he did what he could with, with what he had. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that kind of left me a little cold, but when the winter came out, I was like, "Holy crap! I need to have this." 
And it wasn't until maybe four or five years ago that I stumbled upon the summer in a 50 mm-hmm. cent bin. And at that price, okay. Read it, enjoyed it. Have to admit, not nearly as much as the winter. The winter is the one for me. Yeah, I'm 100% with all of you. I, I think Agreed. to me, the the summer I could do without. In fact, it's the least Art Adams comic that Art Adams ever did. <laughs> um, but the winter is, is pure Art Adams, including the Kaiju, like you mentioned, Carlo. And um, I remember these coming out, and I remember having zero interest in owning them. But um, but I did read them many years later, just uh, because I was curious. I'm just not a fan of, of Gumby and Pokey. I, I never understood it. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, but that winter it, that winter is Art Adamsy enough that I can look past the fact that I think the characters are weak AF. <laughs> yeah, there's there's not a lot going, not a lot of backstory. Now I guess there's a brand new Gumby book out now. Yes. Um, Kyle Baker, Ray Fox, paper cuts. Mm-hmm. But I haven't seen them. I just kind of know either. that they they just started up. I'm curious. And again, like like why why why? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who's clamoring for that? Somebody's yes. passion project. Well, well yes. you know, I mean, Gumby's. I love Gumby. Really? Yeah, I love the the Art Cloaky stuff. I just I I like the character. I think it's very, um, it's very pure. Gumby has mm-hmm. there's a purity to Gumby. I would take I would let Davian Goliath burn. Oh, I don't. To, yeah. For well, yeah. for Gumby and Pokey, I, I, I never I, liked Davy and Goliath. I'd agree never. with you there. I'd agree with you there. I only Jason watched this really thing on on Sunday. Well, of course. Jason says really to you, saying you love Gumby and Pokey as if like you never mentioned it ever I know. in the ten years we've been it's doing okay. this show. <laughs> uh, if he really, did, I blocked it. Out. I know. I'm saying like he really has. It. We <laughs> we can't hold him to that because he tunes me out. He does. That's okay. Oh, stop. I'm good with it. I'm a, I made peace I, with it. My oh dude. My God. Yeah, my buddy. So, <laughs> my buddy. Wow. I have something very evil. They're evil. I have something disturbingly evil. Oh, it's been long enough where people probably forgot that Jason spoiled it already, so go ahead. This uh, was recently, let me get this off my screen, was recently released by a company that I had poo-pooed. Is, just before we get into it, is this one of those parts where I should tune you out? No, no. I would hope you don't because this is fun okay. stuff. Okay, good. Remember when um, Seven Seas Entertainment first came on the scene and they released a bunch of manga volumes of Moby Dick? And, um, no. well, they weren't good. <laughs> that sounds phenomenal. Yeah, they, they weren't good. They weren't good at all. Oh, so I, I kind of wrote them off. But um, lately, they've been on my radar, mostly because they are they have embarked on um, a project to publish all of this Devilman G, and the G is for Grimore, written by Devilman's Papa, the man himself, Gonagai, and uh, art by Rui Takato. I have to tell you straight out of the gate, I am a devil man mark. I will buy, read, love, uh, covet, fetish, anything devil man. I love the character. I always have. I always will. Have you seen devil man, Jason, David, Carlo? You never heard of devil man? Nope. Heard of it. Never saw it. 
Um, there's been many incarnations. Uh, the the best is by Gonagai, but the uh, it's it's been uh, published in series called Aman, which is Devil Man's real name. He's Aman. Uh, that get very very uh, extremely sexual. Um, and the original Gonagai stuff is is sexual um, and very very violent, and so is this. But there was a point where the series kind of tiptoed over a line where it became just kind of gratuitous. Uh, well, it's it's laughable that I even say that because every Devil Man incarnation is gratuitous. It's just it it became disturbingly so, like um, rape and violence and and debauchery just for the sake of it, which, mm, depending on the person doing the art, is is either enjoyable or not so much but uh this uh stuff by rui takato is gorgeous amazing and it is is deeply indebted to this to the the artwork of gonagai um the premise we have a young man named akira fudo and his parents were killed very young uh he's left alone an orphan and he's taken in by the Makamura family. And the the Makamuras have a daughter, Mickey, who kind of believes that uh, she's a witch. She thinks she can work magic. Um, And she possesses a ring that she claims to have belonged to the legendary King Solomon. What? Mm. Um, She believes that the trinket can be used to summon and control demons. And everybody thinks Mickey's a weirdo. I guess rightly so, because she she wears a, a witch's hat, walks around with a, a a robe with a with a pentagram on the back of it, and um, she's generally seen as you know kind of a, an oddball among her classmates. But one of those classmates goes missing, and three girls come to Mickey and they say, hey, you can do magic, right? And she's like, yeah, because I'm a witch. And they're, <laughs> they're, they're like... It's a great conversation. They're, they're like, yeah. It's like a hot conversation. Well, um, it's great can, dialogue. You, can you find... <laughs> can you find our buddy? And she's like, well, I could try. And so she, she inscribes it's the like ground. Can you draw a stick? I can learn. I can try. I can learn. <laughs> She, uh, she, she inscribes the pentagram on the ground, the magical circle, and she, you know, she gives the warning, yo, don't, don't walk out of the circle, yo, because it's not good. And um, she invokes a bunch of uh, demon names, and nothing happens. But the, the ritual's kind of um, disturbed by a bunch of people wearing cloaks and hoods and they're like they, they pull out a photograph and they say do you know this girl and it's a, a platinum blonde beauty and the, the the teens say we don't know her and as soon as they say that they have sealed their fate because the cloaks come off and they are assorted demons and they rip the girls to shreds one of them is bisected Stem to stern, crotch to forehead by a demon. And her guts fall out and he rips, him, rips her apart. 
the all other up one, in them guts. It is like I said, it is extremely graphic. Um, heads come off, body parts come off, but um, Akira is wounded in the process. Good old meek, timid, milk toast Akira loses a leg, and Mickey loves Akira. He, she was raised with him. She's got a thing for him. And she's like, oh, my God, you're bleeding out, dude. What am I going to do? So she makes a last-ditch, desperate plea to the uh, the forces of the underworld. And what happens? Meek and timid Akira Fudo is possessed by Amon, the devil man. And he destroys the demons. He takes great relish in violence and carnage and bloodshed. He hates his own kind. Amon is known as Amon the Brave, Amon the Uneater, Scourge of Demons. Um, and he just has a bunch of, you know, uh, in, um, is it uh, Street Fighter, where the, the moves are each have a name, like Lightning Slash, and, you know, they, they do their thing. Well, Amon mm -hmm. is no different. He has a bunch of different moves, and they are announced. So you always want to tell your enemy what you're going to do to them. That's so, right. I mean, he has the thousand cuts and the, the demon that is the recipient of the thousand cuts, which emerges from Devilman's belly, by the way, um, just slashes the demon to ribbons, and he's, he's bathing in the rain of their blood. Um, and when we're talking Gonagai, more often than not, the demons have boobs. Mm -hmm. okay. he, he's very fond of the demons female, after my own heart. Very fond of the female form. Um, but it's not, I mean, it'll be a, an extremely sexy female body, but they have like a anti-venom face, you know, with tendrils coming out of their head. Like the character design is unhinged. They don't care. There is a female succubus type demon in here that has wings and she's naked of course because she's a going to guy creation but she has a face in her abdomen and the mouth is like dead center of dead center of her crotch you know um so devil man or amon sorry there's a demon in here that injects amon with um little tiny versions of himself that go in Amon's bloodstream and there's little tiny demons running around in Amon's veins going hee 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 trying to get him from within but it doesn't matter because Amon has a finishing move for that it's called the termination beam and his very vessels come alive and spit unholy fire and kill the the parasites within his body even his blood vessels have a temper um but so what's so so special about this platinum-haired beauty that the, the demons want to know the location of? Well, it turns out that the platinum-haired beauty summoned Serene. If you're a fan of Devil Man, you already know who I'm talking about. Serene is the arch-nemesis of um, Devil Man. You've seen her before. She's totally naked, has wings on her head. And bird uh, claws, talons on her hands, and bird feet. She's gorgeous. I have, I can't tell you how many 
um, action figures I have of Devilman and Serene. But um, the thing is, for Serene to achieve her true potential, her her full power, she needs to possess the 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 human that summoned her, and that's why they're looking for this this woman. Um, there's a point in the story where Mickey decides to take a bath because it is manga, right? And the uh, female form is front and center. Mickey's gorgeous, but when she goes in the bath, she's uh, open to a demon that can take the guise of water. The demon becomes the bath. And then there's another demon that uses reflections to uh, come into the human world. And it's again, it's a woman, a bare-chested woman, half-woman, half-horse, and she's got the horns. I mean, the Gonagai character creation is totally off-kilter. Like, there's nothing this dude won't try. Let's put faces where boobs should go. Okay. You know, (laughs) let's make um, a half-bird woman uh, and a uh, um, an octopus where her legs should be. It's it's just totally random, but it looks so good. Like there, he likes to put eyes where eyes don't belong. Let's just say. I I I adore this. I I always have. Um, the uh, Makamura family has a young son who's not doing too well in school, so he gets a tutor. And of course, one of the tu- the tutor is a demon in the thrall of Serene. And when the tutor comes to the house, takes off her jacket, and she's got a bustier on, and her boobs are hanging out, and she's got garter belts and stockings. Like, it's, it, it makes no damn sense. The father's, like, giving the kid a high five, like, dude, you're going to be... Look at... This is amazing. And the mother's like, F this shit. But um, <clears throat> it, it's just... I, I, I cannot profess how much I love... Gonagai and his creations. Uh, this was twelve ninety nine. It says it's for older teens, sixteen uh-huh. plus. But I would not let a teen read this. Really? It, it's wall to wall nudity, wall to wall violence, extreme violence. I I don't know. I think this is more suited for twenty uh, something. Maybe my maybe I'm just. Um, a little bit hesitant Old to, let, and busted. to let children, yeah, that too, to let children um, see this kind of stuff. But I mean, it, it's the times in which we live, so it's it's mm-hmm. very, 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 very violent. Uh, but it's it's amazing, and and you should read it. The very inventive character creation, um, the story is just balls to the walls, carnage. I don't know exactly how many volumes this is going to run but i know it's at least eight to ten mm-hmm. so if you're in for one you're in for a bunch it did typical manga um recipe you know what i mean like look at one piece is like 85 yeah. volumes so far but i don't believe this is anywhere near as long as that um it's it it's contemporary but it also reaches back into the past because going to guy is one of the ogs as far as manga goes. And uh, mm-hmm. if you want to waste an afternoon, Google Gonagai and see everything that this man has created. He is um, akin to Jack Kirby in Japan. Cutie nice. Honey, um, Mazinger, like 
the laundry list of things that this man has done are amazing. So get this devil man G. Get in on the ground floor on this. It's If you like dark, disturbing um, violence and nudity and carnage and great character design, I think this will be in your wheelhouse. It should be anyway. Did you guys see any images from this? If not, they'll be in the, the gallery. Better be in the gallery. Well, what I'm looking at is a is a online image of a figurine of this serene character. Yep. It's a PVC figurine. It is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It is, I, I know nothing about this, and yet I want this figure. I have many. I don't have that one, the one you're talking about, because it was a little pricey. Actually, it's sold out on the site I'm looking at, but there must be a way. It what is, is it, like four or five bucks? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, sure. And, well, I've been able flee with you. I know how you work. One of one <laughs> yeah. of the uh one of comics greatest oxymorons was um at one time a female was possessed by Amon and the name mm-hmm. of the manga is called Devil Man Lady. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I have the original Japanese uh books of that i can't read it it doesn't really matter if i can't whether i could read it or not the art is just phenomenal love it so there you go good on you devil man i was going to use rob zombie or i'm sorry white zombie for the intro but i said that would be too obvious so i don't oh yeah yeah i want to play your hand too early i know there you go (laughs) boom uh, so did uh, anybody read the first issue of the second volume of Rumble? Talked about it last week. You said it was coming out because oh. you said you did yeah, in your you, travels. Oh, you, didn't, you didn't go you, deep. You, because, yeah, I did well, in my travels. It, right, because it's coming out. It came out this week. Um, but yes, he, he was. So yes, I did read it. Yeah, me Excellent. too. Nice. What you guys think? I liked it. Um, I'm going to say something that is going to hurt Jason. Is feelings. probably going to hurt Jason's feelings, but I I'm think out. I think Heron's a better fit than. Uh, I will. I I I I missed Heron. I did. Yeah. I it's. I mean, listen, Rubina's is a beast. I love his work, uh, but something about and I mean he's the 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 I love. Either I think that that's him, him and when when he works, there's some some creators that that just do magic together, and I like I like John Arcudi. I mean, The Mask is one of my favorite creations, but uh, these characters, this world, it's like it just oozed out of James, and it was just it 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 was it was a unique look, and he kind of brought some of that to his Seven to Eternity issues, but. Um, I can appreciate Rubin having a go and and taking over and 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 working with these creations. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was magical with Heron. That said, I liked this issue oh, yeah. because yeah. it even if. Even if you missed the first volume, everything you need to know is right here. You get Rathrax 
origin. You get all caught up. You you get the characters that made his life a living hell in the first series and and our human uh, companions are um, introduced and you get a pretty decent peg on everybody's personality and and the relationship uh, amongst the three of them. So uh, it it was a it kind of felt because of how how quickly it it read or uh, it was it was pretty fast paced but as especially with the double page spreads i i finished it sooner than i expected to uh it kind of felt in some places like a, a zero issue or you know in case you missed it but uh i i really like the setup i'm looking forward to the second issue um it's it's still a cool book and and it part of me feels bad that that i'm i'm comparing it to the earlier volume but just because of what Aaron did it it's it's hard for me to to i think that's the thing i exactly i think you nailed it had Aaron never established this world and its Mm -hmm. characters i would think this was the greatest thing ever because the, yeah. the double page spreads are gorgeous. They're, yeah. they're, I'm, I'm not faulting Rubin at all. I mean, the art is phenomenal. It's the texture and the color and the line work is just, it, it, it's, it's amazing. But mm-hmm. when I think Rumble, I think James Heron. It's just, it's, he's immediately, the, the, the artwork and the style and just the way he approaches facial features and expressions, that mm-hmm. jumps to the forefront. This wasn't lacking. Well, I, that, I shouldn't say that. It was lacking in a sense that it wasn't James Heron, but what's on the page is not lacking at all. And I want to. I'm. I'm it's Rumble. I'm sticking with it. I, I love the first series. I, I. I got faith in in the story Arcudi wants to tell. Um, so I'm hoping that it sticks around long enough where I can say I love Rubin's Rumble. And now it was cool when Heron was on it, but now dot dot dot. So I I I've got the time. I will I'll, I'll happily let them do tell the story they want to tell, and uh, and 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 I'll appreciate it. So exactly. I, I, I mean, I'm just, buying every issue. Right. Same here. Yeah. Not slight in Rubin. He's a he's Not a he's a mega beast. Yeah. <laughs> You're just buttering me up. I'm not. You know, I mean, what kind of credibility would I have if I slighted the artwork in this issue? It's it's borderline flawless. Yeah. It, it's just not. It's it's like someone else doing Hellboy. Right? It, well, it lots, happens. Lots of people have done Hellboy. Right. It, it has happened. But to me, all of the people that, that have done Hellboy are in the shadow of Mignola. He is the man mm-hmm. who initiated the series, who I uh, immediately associate with the character, just as James Heron with Rathrak. That's his baby in my eyes. It, it's totally right. personal. It's, it, it has nothing... Well, listen, I mean, it's pretty clear that uh, he had a falling out with... Yeah, I think. What? I, what? I don't... Yeah, I, I... Yeah, it didn't end well. I mean, clearly. I, mean, I, I don't know the background, but based on our interactions with Heron at Heroes, I mean, it was clear that they just had to just parting of the ways, disagreement. Where was I Not, when this was going on? I didn't hear right it. Right next to me? Or standing right no, next to me? No, no. I, I, yep. 
Wow, I missed yep. it. I missed it. Yeah, I mean, Harren's going on to do other things, and uh, obviously, uh, Arcudi wants to keep it going. And yeah, I got to say, Rubin is a freaking must be fast because he's doing Professor Frankenstein right now with Lemire as well. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's hard. I, I don't know how much of a lead time he had. I mean, because I mean, didn't he went right from Ether to that? So yeah, yeah, it's, it probably is very fast. Yep. Boggles my mind how you can be fast and, and produce images of this quality. I love the uh, reveal, the last page reveal, for mm-hmm. sure. Yes. That was dope. That will not be featured in the gallery accompanying this episode. Good man. Come on, son. Come on, son. Son. Carlo, you did not read Rumble? That is so buried deep in the Regina pile. Uh, issues one through what 15 16 or sitting in there i, I didn't even oh know geez, was a you haven't even read the heron stuff Oof. yet oh no much less volume two damn i know i am pick it up i know slack, i know dude. i know well, but that rubin stuff i mean that that you know when when jason was talking about the hero book one i mean that suddenly mm. brought that okay. artist into into the prime focus of my attention i gotta get a hold of that and oh yeah get going Yes, you do. Well, kudos to Carlo for actually pronouncing Regina Pile correctly, because Jason right. Jason twists and turns it every different way when he when he when he does. I do? It. Yeah, you say uh, Regine, Regine. Regine. It is Regine. Yeah. No, it's yeah. not Regine. It's Regina. It is. It's Regine. It yeah. rhymes with vagina. Yeah. <laughs> it rhymes with regime, like regime change. Regime. <laughs> make it make it your own, my friend. Magneto. That's the truth. <laughs> that matter. So what else do we have? We come on. This we can't. Vince, do... you got to you got to get into it. The the thing I thought we were all going to talk about. What was that? Oh yeah. Ooh, I even right. read it. I even read it. Sword of Ages, dude. <gasps> oh yes, yes, yes. Well, I'm 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 I've talked enough. I want y'all. But to no, talk. but you're you're so good at setting it up. I, I wasn't. I'm not ready to set this one up. Set it up, Vince. I beg you, beg you. I'll set it up, and I probably won't. I probably won't do it justice. Because it's a, it, it's got your favorite mythology rolled into it. It does, doesn't it? Right. Um, the new book by the awesome Gabriel Rodriguez. It was created. Well, I wouldn't use that word, but um, extrapolated <laughs> by. Gabriel Rodriguez written. Wow. And it was, well, come on. It's Arthurian myth. Huh. He's just moving the pieces around on the board. I guess. No, he is. I mean, it's, it's a lot different, but go ahead. Dude, the ship is called the Pendragon. Come on. It's true. She's named Avalon, so. Right. I mean, I mean that's okay. I, I, I love that. But colored, and this made my heart sing. Colored by Laverne Kinzierski. Yes. My goodness. When was the last that, time? That's... How long has it been? Uh, not too long. I follow him on Facebook. Really? Yeah. Well, what was the thing he colored before? before oh, I, no, I just I, It's I, I, Was it stuff for Dark Horse? I've seen. No, he's. It's, um, you keep talking. I'll find it. Oh, I'll keep talking. Oh, and how? Um, lettered by Robbie Robbins. It, it, it is a new take on 
the Arthurian cycle that begins with the uh, the good ship Pendragon uh, coming into uh, planetary orbit, and um, the the family within the uh, science officer Lothar is the 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 father, and he's he's trying to to get this the ship within a certain distance in order to do something. The mother is pregnant. The the son is it is it's a nuclear family um and mom's going to have another one but for whatever reason he he wants to destroy the ship to make it look like all aboard were killed and he he does so in the shadow of the medusa and it's not the typical medusa uh from what we are told this medusa is an elder guardian it it is essentially a space man of war. Gorgeous, um, looks like it has some kind of giant pulsing brain within yes. within the traditional man of war hood and the tentacles. It's it's just like every page, every panel of this book. It is, and and I I'm I'm not overstating the magnitude of this art. Every page of this book is jaw-droppingly gorgeous. That is true. Rodriguez has taken the uh, exaggeration and the fluidity with which he approached the human form, and he has jettisoned it. This is straight-up peak Greg Russell-style elegance. The, the title character, Avalon, is gorgeous. Her proportions are amazing the 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 costumes the the uh, flora and fauna in this book are all magnificently rendered this i'm saying it now if rodriguez manages to keep up the level of intensity of this first issue with every subsequent issue <laughs> this will be his masterwork nobody's going to remember lock and key Stop! It, it, no, that's ridiculous. I, you just had so you just had to go over the top there. Okay, <laughs> lock and key will be a pleasant yet. Uh, what's the word? There, there's no way anything I've seen in lock and key compares to anything that I've seen in this first issue of Sword of Avalon or uh, Sword of Ages. This book is amazing. Blaspheming. No, I'm not blaspheming. I, I love Lock and Key. But this is something else. He leveled up. Like, what is it in, in Super Mario when you get the, the green mushroom? Like, or, yeah. <laughs> Merlin's chopper? Merlin himself and the chopper are just amazing. Gorgeous, right? But anyway, let's get back to the story. So, the the ship... Uh, explodes um, within the the upper atmosphere, and we don't know what happens to the family. What 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 we do know, or what we can assume, is the child that the mother carried was raised by something resembling a saber toothed tiger. I can't call it a saber toothed tiger because it's not Earth. Yeah, it's a it's a feline. 
creature of some sort. Yes, but they speak. Yeah. And they they have intelligence. Mm-hmm. And um, in a way, it's sort of like like a Tarzan or a Mowgli. Like like it, that's the kind of thing that's going on. Well, yeah, it's very much within the, the Tarzan yeah. vein. Um, mm-hmm. But they have genetic markings that are gorgeous. Oh my god, the the mother's markings are amazing. It's your next tattoo, dude. On my face? Yeah, there's markings right on your face. <laughs> well, that that would be a, an easy out because uh-huh. I wouldn't I wouldn't be welcomed home. Um, <laughs> but uh, and the pages that re- recite the uh avalon's younger years they're amazing i can't say it enough it 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 challenges p craig russell in the elegance department these drawings are sumptuous and the the just the line work is so clean but his his approach to everything is just amazing the the bear that she kills gorgeous the the mother amazing the the just her her costume with the talons and the cloak it's just this is p craig russell's ring cycle in 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 another language it's amazing Uh, words fail when 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 trying to to approximate the grandeur of this artwork I, i am i am i gushing too much and you guys not see it it's just phenomenal it, it is amazing. You know, we have no dearth of comics that have come out in the past couple of years that do substantial world building, like Seven to Eternity comes to mind. Mm-hmm. And and this is this is right there. I mean, just the environment that the characters are thrust into is, you could, I frankly, I resented the word balloons because there are a lot of word balloons. I want to see what's <laughs> behind those word yeah. balloons because yeah. if I could see this without that, I would just look at it and look yeah. at it. I agree. I, I think if there is a failing of the book, it's that Gabriel is, by his own admission in the letters page, very much still learning how to be a writer. Um, I, I think I, I think he sometimes does what a, a, a writer in the 80s would have done, which is the word balloons are telling you things you're already seeing on the page. And I would just as soon have let, let him and his artwork show us, show us without telling us. Um, but uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Does this first issue not have a commandy vibe? Hmm. I honestly hadn't made that connection until you just said it. So, but I, I, I guess I see where you're coming from now that you bring it up. Uh, maybe it's just the the simians mm-hmm. that, that are pushing me over the line. Okay. Yeah, she gaffles some apes. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it's. It, she is a female commandy in this. The, the apes are mm-hmm. are very reminiscent of what um, Jack. Oh, did. and the feline creatures are like yes, nice. Prince Tuffin. That and double stuff. page spread where she is attacking the simians and their mm-hmm. horses. When and you see her moving across the whole panel in all of those different attitudes and poses, and where her eyes are moving That's in music. relation to the rest of her body. It it is. It, yep. it just. You know what you have here is is a strong female heroine who is, you know, I mean, not just not hypersexualized, but but that that's not even what she's about. She's just about no, she's cool very boyish. Competence. Yeah, she's undersexualized. Well, I don't know. I mean, she's she's very attractive. I mean, I, mean, I think she's rendered astonishingly well. But but that's not the point of of her of her. 
her appearance. You know, she right. she is just so well trained and so uh, competent. Just that's the word that comes to mind. This this one spread is just it's just astonishing. Yeah. And and she eventually encounters a uh, a band of oh and the 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 page that says on the road with the, the and there's chapter headings by the way which thrilled me to no end but hmm. um, the page that says on the road where we get to actually see Merlin and and her progression across the landscape in a trio a, a triptych of panels I love that kind of stuff mm-hmm. I I, mm-hmm. I just I adore it. Um, she beats a, she meets a, let's call them ruffians, uh, goth and, and Tristan and Lancer. And, um, they're, they're practicing their, their techniques mm-hmm. and, um, Lancer, you know, he's very boastful and he, he uses the, the, uh, a double edged, um, let's call it a double edged spear and you know he's he's good but um she comes in and uh then she has a uh, the um the confrontation with the apes but there there there's more going on here and this the the it's the templars that kind of put this way way into the stratosphere for me you you put templars in anything and you have my attention i don't know why I'm fascinated with the culture of the Knights Templar, how they could devote everything to a cause that may or may not be real. Do you you know what I mean? Um, They were so devout. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say that I don't think they ever doubted it to be real, but. Right, but again, it's kind of like the suicide bomber of today who who gives literally everything for a cause that it, it may not be real mm. it, it may not exist it may sure. it may only exist in their heads but and then the templars are 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 similar that they they would sacrifice the entirety of their being for that cause mm-hmm. it just fascinates me um but I don't want to give too much of this issue away. Uh, the the Lady of the Lake um, is is in this. Um, there's a guardian of said lake that is majestic to behold. The, the, he seems to have created a pantheon of gods in these these elder gods that we've only scratched the surface. Uh, elder guardian, sorry. Uh, it's just this is an entirely new world uh, so far removed from what we've seen in lock and key it's not even funny uh where he went what he did to ascend to this level of aesthetic um grandeur is i don't know i would like to eat or ingest whatever he's taking or or whatever steps he did to 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 hone his craft to this Mm -hmm. level is it's ungodly how beautiful this book is. But um, when we uh, roll out the 11 O'Clockers, I don't see how this issue is not going to factor in that for me. Nice. I, I just hope he can produce on a fairly consistent basis because I don't want to see like a non-player thing 
where he put so much work into yeah. this first issue that we don't get another one for mm-hmm. another six months to a year. That's not going to be good. It'll be worth the wait, but I want this fairly consistency because he has whetted my appetite. Um, I'm locked in. I, I want more of this. And not only do we get a fairly um, lengthy story with a shit ton of dialogue, but we get an interview with Gabriel Rodriguez in the back that is fairly extensive in its own right. I mean, it goes on for a good stretch. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I can't believe that we've been talking about this book for 15 minutes and you didn't acknowledge that uh, this was indeed partly a um, inspired by the Arthurian legend, but the other part, by his own admission, is Jodorowsky's Dune. Yeah, I don't see that. I mean, maybe the um, the reluctant savior aspect of... Uh, uh, Paul Atreides, uh, I don't know. I, I I don't see the Dune yet. Mm-hmm. But maybe it'll be fleshed out in in, in uh, future issues. I don't know. Because, yeah, that one was the one I was like, okay. Uh, yeah, I get. obviously I get the Arthurian, but the, mm-hmm. the, the Dune, uh, I'm not seeing it. I love I love the, uh, the Protector of the Lake. Yes. In lieu of the Lady <laughs> of the Lake, but uh, yeah. I thought that was a great creature design. But I think the Lady of the Lake is the one that was standing with the sword. Oh, could well be, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Truth. But, uh, wow. Took my breath away. Take my breath away. I, I had to read this a few times just to pick up on some of the subtleties. Like, it, it took me, I think, till the third reading that I realized the woman in the first page was pregnant. And that's that's who Avalon was, right? What what's not clear to me is if the ship that's coming in, like, are is this family the only people that are on it, or are there a whole bunch more of these Templari on the ship coming to this place? Because you see other Templari, right? Mm-hmm. There's like that blonde woman. Like, where did she come from? So, you know, is this like a colony ship, or it also he doesn't really flesh out the reason why they destroyed the ship. Which I'm sure he will. Right. But mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. That's true. I took it to be like a Superman thing. Like these were her, her parents, and they were escaping, and they basically sacrificed themselves yeah. to save her. But yeah, that's how I originally point. took it too. Yeah. Yeah. But to your so, point, it doesn't necessarily say that. Right. But were they using like the Medusa's there, and it's imposing as hell? But mm-hmm. the 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 father makes he's very explicit that he, he doesn't want to anger the Medusa. He wants to make it look like the Medusa destroyed the ship, mm-hmm. giving them the escape pod, the the luxury of you know taking their time getting in, into the atmosphere, and and then but so once the escape pod either landed or crashed, what happened? Were, were all of them in such a sad state? Did they all die? And the 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 saber tooth tigers took the baby from the the mother's like you. It's so vague what happened because it's only really two pages. Right, right, and you don't know what happens to the family. Maybe I, I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll find out. But uh, it, I'm, I'm betting the, the vagueness of it was very, very intentional. Mm-hmm. Couldn't be. Well, anything. that's just it. I'm, I'm hooked, though. I want to find out. Yep. I want to find out why she's hanging out with the, with the tiger family, and, and having her, her rearing, being jointly done by these tigers and by the humans. Which I think was 
smart on the part of the the mother where she's like, yeah, you're one of us, but you're also one of them. So mm-hmm. so you need to spend time with them to, to learn their ways. And, you know, you come back to us. And the, the thing that really impressed me was one of the one of Avalon's tiger sisters didn't show up yeah. at, her, at her departure because she loved her too much and it was too painful. So we didn't even see that sister. It was like, oh, well, wait. you see her. You, you, see do. Her you do from, from above. above. Well, no, yeah. you, you see her, but you don't see you know, you don't see the reaction or we don't get to really learn much about her other than the fact that she loves her, quote, sister so much that she couldn't bear to, to say goodbye. Her sestra. Yeah. And it was just like, <laughs> wow, way to, way to drag me in, yeah. you fucker. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's yeah. amazing stuff. It is. And it, it's this almost style too good is, for is very reminiscent of the way he drew the Nemo book. Yeah. The little Nemo in Dreamland. Yep. Slumberland. Oh, yeah. that absolutely yeah. notes of that, especially in that yeah. last panel with the with the guardian of the lake and the little figure is down in the lower right hand mm-hmm. corner. That is like total little Nemo composition right there. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, um, little Nemo got no play at all. It didn't. It no, didn't. I didn't feel like it felt sold, sold well at all. And what was it? Five no. issues, I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I have them. I have, whatever it was, I have them all. And mm-hmm. to be honest, I only read two of them. Hmm. I've never finished it. Hmm. It didn't. It didn't rope me in like this did. Rope the art, dope. The art was great, but this is this is a cut above. Good God! No argument there. Yes. All right. Well, um, should we we drag this sucker on home? Our in your travels pull, are going to be pull uh, this pull this carcass on home. Okay. Well, as uh, usual, you know who sponsored this joint. It's Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. One more time, Jason, for the people in the cheap seats. Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. Yes, where you can get all the stuff that you desire from the previous catalog at a fraction of the prices listed therein. Such as, from uh, Image, we got The Beef, number one, five-issue miniseries for a dollar... Where's the beef? I don't know. A dollar ninety nine for issue number one. Black masks come into me. Number one is two dollars and nineteen cents. And the awesome Russ Braun on Jimmy's Bastards trade paperback. B. Number one will cost you eight dollars and twenty four cents. In your travels. Let me get the book first. Oh, what is seven cents? Get the book. Get the book. All right. I have invested in this character's adventures for most of my existence. Jesus? When I <laughs> when I was a teen, <laughs> I would buy the magazines straight off the rack, stuff them under my shirt and try and get them past my mom um, mm-hmm. so she wouldn't take them from me. Mom, mom. And then uh the 90s revival of the character was um hit and miss here and there but uh dynamite has her and has had her for a number of years um we talked about the uh jimmy broxton stuff of uh the initial salvo of vamprella mm-hmm. which was written by peter milligan if i'm not mistaken and uh i'm not beholden 
to the classic interpretation of Vampirella. She has changed uh, or shifted guises so many times over the decades that uh, a new and different approach to Vampirella is neither because people just get the character and just try whatever they 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 will to try and make it stick and um sometimes it does and uh more often than not it doesn't but this uh this new incarnation by uh Jeremy Whitley and uh on the art Mr. Andy Belanger Belanger colors by Lee Lowridge um it is very removed very far removed from the original um, Tom Sutton, Forrest J. Ackerman uh, interpretation of the character, but it incorporates everything that has come before. Um, in short, Vampirella was imprisoned for a thousand years. And we talked about this. She comes out, she finds a, a strange new world, and um, turns out that Lucifer was brokering deals with humans to get into heaven if you had enough money you can get in if you didn't unfortunately you're shit out of luck uh turned out that it wasn't really heaven it was a digital construct lucifer was uh bilking the humans out of there vampirella exposed his ruse and was condemned by the populace because of it um in this new arc, which is Vampirella number eight, what Vampirella did was basically destroy heaven. It wasn't heaven, but people believed it to be, so therefore it was. That's what we're told. And um, humans cannot expire because they have nowhere to go. People don't die. Um, and when the issue opens... Vampirella's uh, home is blown the hell up. And her friend, which is to Vampirella more than a friend, Vicky, she, uh, let's be honest, uh, well, I'll be honest, Vampirella lusts after Vicky. Mm. She has a very strong, unrequited sexual desire to to be with, with Vicky in, in that way, that special way. And, uh, People can't die. So when, when Vampirella runs into a gang of bikers, um, she beats the shit out of them. She takes uh, a biker's gun, bends the, the barrel, and then uh, summarily jams it into his face. So eyeballs hanging out, face is a mess. She rips out another character's heart. She jams a chain down the throat of another one. And um, she's she's kind of like all cocksure, even though she's a woman. And um, she's boasting like, so you're all, she's talking to the woman. Uh, she's like, so you're all dead now and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and the, the, the woman biker's like, uh, look around, shithead. We're not dead. You screwed up. None of mm. us can die now. Because you destroyed uh, heaven. And uh, Vicky was impaled by uh, wood when the, the house went kablooey. And she gets up and Vampirella's like, oh, you know, sweetheart, darling. She calls everybody darling. Darling, I'm glad you're alive, but you got a, a, 
a tree trunk hanging out your stomach. So Vampirella pulls it out, and um, it's it's a mixture of. Um, later on in the story, Vampirella in, encounters these road warriors, and I'm I'm kind of precise in calling them that because it's straight out of Mad Max. She uh, Fury Road. She's impaled by a a spear launched from the top of a a road machine and on a giant chain and she's being dragged around um it's it's very mad max but i don't hate it mm. i i'm not a vampirella purist although i would like you to believe that i i just love the character and this is a at the hands of andy belanger it's pretty belanger. it's pretty fun amazing stuff nice it's um it's very punk I believe he's um, a new dad. Is he really? Oh, good fan. I believe so. Yeah. Beautiful Philip Tan cover. Um, among others, they're like it is dynamite. So there's more than one cover. Jimmy Broxton, I think, does one. He does. There's a photo I cover lie. which I ignore. I avoid like the plague. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, no one can capture Van Pearl's beauty. No, no human woman can capture it. But no, I had a lot of fun and and um. I'm again. I'm I'm invested. It, it's 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 a new, different take on Vampirella, and uh, I'm I'm in for the long haul. It, it's fun. So fun. for from for my uh, whatever I paid for this, what is it, two nineteen or two seventy or whatever? Um, mm-hmm. I, I I done got my money's worth. You done did it. Yeah, Vampirella number eight. Nice. Read, read it. Read it. Nice. Uh, uh, short and sweet for me this week in your travels, uh, picking up after the events from the second issue, uh, where Vince and I were trying to maybe figure out this person's motives. Um, Maestro is number three. Uh, we find out what Mm. Ren really had planned after, um, knocking Will out and absconding with the book. Um, we're pretty much shown exactly what happens in two pages. So uh, it still looks absolutely amazing. Yes, sir. By uh, Written and drawn by Steve Scrosi and Beautiful Colors by Dave Stewart. So pick up Maestro's. I thank you for being very vague. Because I, I haven't read it yet. Same, yeah, it's the same. I'm here um, for you, Boo. Right? You're talking about your travels. Or me? But, well, he was talking yeah. to both of us. But it was the it was the omnibus Boo. Oh, um, nice! I yeah. Love it. Um, in your travels, from a niche publisher named Marvel Comics. Mm, I think they're up and coming. Soon to be. Yeah. Niche. Bunch of young guns. Yep. Uh, written by Declan Shalvey. Artist, Mike Henderson. Colors, Lee Lowridge. Letters, Joe Sabino. Deadpool versus Old Man Logan. We are two issues in, and much like chocolate and peanut butter, when you give me Deadpool and you give me Wolverine, I'm going to like it. (laughs) Declan has drawn and written both of these characters before, so it's no surprise that he gets their voices exactly right. You all know that I 
while I'm certainly a big time Deadpool fan, I do I do think that there are probably more bad Deadpool comics than good ones. Um, so I'm I'm off I'm off going to try a new Deadpool book, but uh, I many times just quietly don't stick with them. Uh, in this case, it's a five issue miniseries, and we're two issues in. It's terrific. It's a simple concept. It's basically Declan doing a a, a buddy cop movie with these two. Um, old man Logan is helping a young mutant as Wolverine has historically been apt to do, uh, escape from some unfortunate circumstances. Deadpool is aimless at this point because he had been an Avenger for the last few years, but he has kicked out of the Avengers. Um, spoilers for killing agent Coulson. Um, and I only say, say all that because I wasn't aware of that until I read the opening introduction page of the first issue when they tell me that. But, um, Anyway, he's sort of looking for his path. He comes across Logan and the young girl in their attempt to escape and decides to offer his assistance, even though Logan wants no part of his assistance. So they've got that that give and take of uh, the love-hate relationship that is a uh, requisite of any good buddy cop movie. It's It's been a blast so far. Uh, as I mentioned, Declan knows the, the character's voice as well. And Henderson is an underappreciated artist, I think, working today. So I, I think he's doing a great job. Uh, it's, it's, I think I like this better than I would if it was Deadpool versus the classic Wolverine. I think Old Man Logan being crotchety and just giving no fucks works <laughs> very well as the straight man against Deadpool because Deadpool can be annoying, and in this case, Logan gets annoyed by just about anybody. So for Deadpool to be hanging out with him, it makes him just hyper annoyed at all times. And uh, he wants to stab him pretty much at every moment and, in fact, does stab him. So um, nothing can amp up a good buddy cop movie like being able to pretty much kill each other, but you know that you're going to heal. So instead of, like, punching each other in the face, they're 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 basically defiling each other, knowing that they're going to grow their limbs back and stuff. So um, off to an auspicious start. Three issues left. And it's uh, nice to see Declan showing off his writing chops because, as we know, he's also a badass uh, cartoonist as well. Word. Sounds good. Nice. All right. In your travels. If Mm -hmm. in your travels, Mm -hmm. you should find yourself in Santa Rosa, California. Oh, which was um, devastated by wildfires back in October. And I think they're Mm -hmm. making a comeback. But one of the bright spots of that whole ordeal is that the Charles M. Schultz Museum was spared from the fires. I've been to that museum twice now. I would encourage everyone to visit it at least once. I am a unapologetic, huge Peanuts fan. Nice. Um, And this museum has just some amazing artifacts in it, some amazing works of art. Um, There are two murals by a Japanese artist by the name of Yoshiturō Otani. One is you walk in the place in this huge gallery, long, long hall, and you see at the end of it this giant mosaic of the, the, the classic Lucy holding the football and Charlie Brown running up towards it. As you move closer and closer, you begin to see that this giant mural is made out of just thousands of little tiny individual comic strips from the history, the whole history of, of the comic. Um, there is a nursery wall that Charles Schultz painted on the wall of a friend's bedroom back in 1951. 
it's full of whimsical characters, including a proto Charlie Brown, a proto Snoopy, a proto Patty, not Peppermint Patty, but the original Patty, and an absolutely freaking terrifying bunny. It, 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 it's amazing. And then there's a, by the aforementioned Otani, there is a morphing Snoopy sculpture in wood that shows the evolution of the character from its first very pure dog-like um, aspect in, in Schultz's life, because it was modeled after a real dog, um, all the way through to um, the end. It's just an amazing morphing sculpture. The docents are great. They'll give you all the history of the comics. And um, also, while you're in Santa Rosa, visit the Russian River Brewing Company. They have some great beers there. It's particularly Pliny the Elder, Pliny the Younger. One of them is really like once a year kind of ordeal. People line up around the block to get it. And just in keeping with the Peanuts theme, if you haven't picked up the Fanographics Complete Peanuts, um, it, it is really a worthwhile acquisition to to see that strip develop from the very first um, iteration in the early 50s all the way through to the the classic strip that that everybody knows with the classic um, characters I, I I could go on and on there was a there was a patreon vote for like what a special show should be about mm-hmm. and and uh, I said let's do a newspaper comic strip show and there was there was like crickets but I'm gonna <laughs> keep pushing that man because <laughs> I think I think there is some there are some rich veins to be mined in the worlds of Pogo oh, you're or not kidding. Oh, I'm Gasly with you, Alley man. or or Dick Tracy, Calvin and Hobbes. Dick Tracy, Tracy my God, Calvin and Hobbes. Now so, we're talking. Yeah, so so um, much love to Schultz. That guy was was a real character. I think you know from everything I've read and the the interviews I've seen with him, we're on the spectrum, but he expressed himself like nobody's business through the the history of that comic, and it was just a monumental achievement. Yep. Well said. Yes, exactly. Well, Carla, you done nailed it, my friend. Big Thank guy. you so much, you guys. This was just awesome. Thank you. You done did it. Yeah, absolutely. Ooh. Yeah, man. It was uh it was great having you on. Hopefully it was uh it was uh, fruitful for you as well. It was great. Now do you guys remember when I first met you? Do you ever remember that? No, you don't, do you? The crickets will tell you will say yeah, I yeah, guess yeah. coins. Yeah. I- I'm like that X Man that you know that you you don't remember unless you're, you're like Stacy X. Mimic. Wait, right, wait. Right, when right. was this? When was what? When did we? When meet? did we meet you? At, it was at a C two. It was at the C two E two Vince where you got Joe Kubert to sign your arm. <gasps> oh my gosh! Wow. I stood, okay. I, I, I was next to you in line the entire time. I had some pathetic issue. Oh of, my gosh! Sergeant um, oh. Rock prophecy number one. Like oh, you know, like I'll get Joe Kubert to. Oh, and it's because I got and. Uh, and I smuggled you guys in a bunch of alcohol. And this is back in the day, like Vince, where you were all about the malt liquor, liquor for some reason. <laughs> Hilarious. Thank God he's not from that, but I brought you like a 40 of Colt 40 or something. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I brought yes. you. And, and several episodes ago, David was like, oh, I've got this great wine called Layer Cake. And I wish I'd known about this wine before. Dude, I brought you a bottle of Layer Cake. That was Vince that who brought up the Layer Cake. We too. Yes. And, well... Maybe I, I don't, but I don't think you had it. And 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 you I probably didn't have Mario, it at that time. You let that Mario drink the entire bottle. You yeah, never had that Mario. Oh, that's right. That Mario. I remember. That's the that best Mario. way to describe him. Beer. Yeah, I know that Mario. That friggin' Mario. So Mario. Yeah. 
So I, and I've been stalking you at cons ever since, but then I never quite huh. seem to get up to you. So, well, we got to make it a regular change. thing because this was too much damn fun. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Uh, that that is perfect incentive to stay at my present Patreon level Ooh, um, level no. and come back. For six months. <laughs> right? God damn. <laughs> anyway, do we have um, any shout outs, Dap, for this week or no? Uh, Not to put you on the spot. As far as as no, um, because we uh, we are working on. I guess we might as well uh, say we're working on recouping any losses we uh, incurred after last week's attempt at uh, Patreon doing near thing. We do though have the winner of the upcoming. Book of the month that will happen uh, later this month in December. Meta Barons. Damn, so, we're gonna go deep. That's, uh, that's, that's what that super uh, hot fire right there. Yoda. So we have we have the book of the month to discuss, and we have our theme episode, which it's is next week, our, right? Our, uh, it will be our we're 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 going to include it with the uh, Christmas episode. So either are we going to do the Christmas episode before Christmas or the week? Yeah, I like to do it okay. before Christmas. All right, I'm feeling all, all depressed after Christmas. Okay, not I. Yes, right. yes. Christmas can go eat a dick. Oh. Wow! <laughs> oh man! <laughs> so, yeah, so just, we I, I we have to um. It was kind of explained uh, how the top ten desert island picks breakdown so i think i'm just going to need a refresher course on that to make sure that uh mindful within the rules that were established yes right as i as i i think we talked about last week the uh kevin kwasa he 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 clarified 10 books they have to be collected editions save for one one can can be a run of a book Wow, that changes all, things. They all have to. They all have to actually exist. Like it can't be an actual. Like I wish they gotcha. elected. The, okay, all right. Like up until this month's previews, if you had said, "I just want the collected Runaways," you couldn't have. But now that they actually just are going to put out a Runaways omnibus, you could. Actually, I kind of think that first volume is is pretty much perfect by itself. But yeah, okay, it that's, is that's, super hot fire. I agree. Yes. Yeah, we uh, you mentioned Patreon for since we did get in, we got a, took a deep cut with it last week, uh, apologizing for deeds that we had no control over. It is worth noting for those of you that aren't patrons uh, or perhaps were and then stopped being because of this. Um, Patreon did get enough complaints, including from ourselves. Ours, we did write them a a sternly worded email, um, and they 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 have re- they recanted. They apologized and. Acknowledge that it was a dumb AF decision in the first place, and they are not going to be charging patrons a 2.9% fee on top of your patronage. So uh, we thank you um, for that, and we also are happy because um, you know we were trying to see if there were alternatives to Patreon if they weren't going to change their ways, and it was frankly going to be hard to do because there aren't any services right now that provide what Patreon does. Now, there are a few apparently on the heels um, that we will be open to if if it makes sense, but uh, for now we are going to stay in our the cozy confines of Patreon because they uh, got their heads out of their asses this week. It's true. And uh, while we're on the subject, the uh, Patreon care packages will be rolling out, 
And yes. uh, I can't uh, comment for my brothers, but mine will be both mystery boxes, which will contain um, a plethora of books uh, scattered in in hopes of instigating searches on your part to exactly. to fill in the blanks. And mm-hmm. one or two of them may contain some artwork. Dang. Some wow. Wow. None of mine contain artwork. Well, mine will. If nice. you get a tube in your mailbox, you know what you got. Dang. Yeah. Why can not? I be right? your, can, I be, can I have a care package? I think that's a neat yeah, spin, for... isn't it? That's Fuck a yeah. very neat spin. Yeah, yeah. So now, um, is this Vince B artwork? Hell yeah. <gasps> oh my God. Yes. What? That's what I'm saying. Holy shite. Yeah. I'm always That's trying incredible. to I'm always find trying to find ways to jazz it up. Like, oh yeah, you know, I got a box you know, of books. That's you, great. You, you you owe Trev soon. I do. And he's mm-hmm. gonna get some amazing stuff, I hope. Right. I mean I, I I like it, but we'll see. Um so yeah, thank you, um, Carlo, for doing us proud you you were amazing yeah. it's flawless I know. actually well I, I appreciate that guys i appreciate that the, the opportunity you know when chris left the show <laughs> um i went out on the old forum right and i and i put a posting out there like hey guys how about like you have a contest mm-hmm. to um fill the fourth chair and and there was just crickets i mean there was there was nothing from you guys there was well, even the nothing was from the other fresh. folks on the fortune yeah i know yeah, I, yeah. I know. It was it was too soon too soon <laughs> We did because, talk but, about a Howard Stern esque. After Howard Stern fired Jackie the Joke Man, he had a, a litany of comedians sit in Jackie's seat for yeah. about a year until they finally settled on Artie Lang, who was on the show for many years after that. Ouch. We did talk about that. That we we but but it just didn't didn't just never felt right. Yeah, no, I understand that. But 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 if you had a contest, I was I was dedicated to win the shit out of that contest. <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> but, but ultimately, I had to do it the old fashioned way. I bought it. And I'm hey, I'm awesome. happy I'm happy I did. Well, Merry Christmas to you and your family. Jason, say uh, Hanukkah, man. Hanukkah. Oh, you're Ju- oh happy Hanukkah then. Well, happy I married Hanukkah. into a Jewish family, so I'm sort of like tofu. You know, I take on the customs <laughs> of the people around me. I was going to say, yeah. yeah. I guess uh, Sammy Davis is, is Jewish. I guess a, a gentleman with the last name of Escada can be Jewish. I should indeed, know. indeed. There you go. Well, happy Hanukkah then. Thank you so much. All right, right on. Should I start singing the song or no? You've heard enough of it. <laughs> <laughs> we like to thank you very much for being here with us yet again it warms our heart that you join us here every week and please do so again next week because you'll get more of this it's true yeah and if you have some comment uh some christmas money coming your way and it's burning a hole in your pocket threadless has got awesome eoc gear so yes. 11 o'clock comics dot threadless dot com including baby stuff very soon Including Vince B. custom EOC onesies. Yes, onesies, baby, baby stuff. Yep. Oh, and one last thing: if you haven't hung up, if you haven't clicked off by now, we are just a few weeks bef- until year end. Many of us have been loosely discussing other places, best of lists, and that sort of thing. But um, far more important than that is our annual eleven o'clockers. There is an online Google forum uh, form rather for you to. Uh, put your votes in and you can go back in and edit. It'll save them for you. If you use the same email address, we will bump it again. We've bumped it a few times over the last few months, but uh, start getting those in because we always do that in early to mid January. So it's going to, it's going to come right up upon you. I know with Vince, Vince, it'll, it'll be like January 8th and Vince would be like, 
Oh, uh, oh, we're doing that this week. Oh, I need to figure out what my vote for. So don't be Vince. Oh, be prepared. Don't be Vince. Don't be Vince. He don't. He won't eat it. He eats everything. All right, everybody. Thank you for being here. Like I said, uh, join us next week because if you don't, you know who's going to get you know what. In the in can't the have me- that. We can't. In the meantime, say good night. I'm Buddy Rich. David. Man's not hot. Good night. What did he say? It's not hot or it is hot? I said man's not hot. Oh. David. That's close. I think you missed a verse. I'll give you the cigar. The pink one? <laughs> so he's still, still going out with the shrinkage. So, uh, you know what? We forgot to talk about Happy. Maybe and we'll talk- Walking Dead and Finale I- and uh, Kirkman Secret History of Carl, Carl, what a lame ass show that's become. Oh man, you're just salty. It is lame. It's, it's just garbage. Nah, it's not lame. It's it not lame. It is. Nah, it's it's, it's 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 the lamest of the lame. Oh man, come on! But why anyway, keep watching it then? I don't. I'm done. You're done. I'm Tapping done. out. Yep. Okay. It's a compulsion. I can't stop. Well, well, I thought the Robert Kirkman show was fantastic, save for the Wonder Woman episode. I think the other five episodes were legit. And as Dap said, the Milestone app gave me all them feels. Yeah. And then I thought that they finished it off, not surprisingly, since it's by Kirkman, with their own version of the image history, which I feel has been turned into a documentary about eight times at this point. Yeah. But uh, but this one was it was a fun version. This was a very kumbaya version because they're all happy with each other right now. So it ha- had a happy ending, much like Vince's visits to massage parlors. Conveniently <laughs> sidestepping so and avoiding any mentions of Image United. That is true. It'll be you know, I, wa- I watched that episode, and, I, and immediately afterwards, this was last night, I watched the first episode. Oh, nice. I, I hadn't seen any of them. And they were perfect bookends. I mean, just they, they were so parallel in terms of the partnership and then the falling mm-hmm. out and then yeah. the seeming reconciliation. Yeah. And uh, it, was, it was an awesome way to begin and end that series. I always crack up when they have the awkward moment where they acknowledge that Wills was sort of a partner by default. Yep. For like a minute. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're always like, yeah, and then we had Wills come along. And then for the rest of the show, they don't mention him. It's like, but yet he's there on the couch with everybody. I know, else. hanging out with him. Yeah, milk he's like Oliver signatures on the Brady Bunch. Yes, yes. Seriously. All right, guys, we love you so much. Join us again next week. Say, say bye. We're done. Say Oof. bye. Later. Bye. Later. So. Let Carlo take us out. Patrons, man, get to this level. You want to be here. Wow. Gotta love it. it. <laughs>